Hi, hello, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things, living real lives, doing real stuff. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied as always by my editor and producer, Tom Byers. Our guest today is the one and only Don Lyons. Shake my man, are you ready to rock and or to roll? Matt, I'm ready to do it. Let's let's get going, man. All right, let's kick it off. All right, let's go. All right. Shake diggity. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about this one. All right. So uh, we've brought it up before on the show, and this is a, ve- a place that's very, very special to me. And it's the Henzo Grace EPA Academy in Hatfield, the boxing yes. gym that I work at, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I've been at this gym for 13 years. And you wow. see a lot of people, yeah, and you see a lot of people come in to the gym, like all different types of people and like people in all different stages of their lives and ages and have different goals and aspirations of what they want to do. Because a lot of the times, and one of the things that we do, and like people generally say this to me, where they're like, I, I want to learn how to box, but I don't want to, I don't want to get in the ring and spar and all that stuff. I was like, dude, then don't like that. We, I wouldn't let you in anyway. You know what I mean? So like one of the big things that I think people like to hear is that you can come in and learn how to box technically and things like that. And then if you ever are comfortable about getting in the ring and stuff, you can Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. uh, this was probably, probably five or six years ago uh don the guest today don lyons came into the gym right right and don's a you know good looking dude in shape kind of guy comes in and he's you know right away he's working but he's you could tell like when when you get people coming in that played other sports and stuff it's almost like they have to shake the other sport off a little bit before like they can get into the boxing Mm -hmm. because and it's like you know you see a lot with like football players and stuff wrestlers too like wrestlers have some things but they're so like preconditioned to, to a different, like a different, like almost opposite of everything right. that it's like, you got to unteach him. Right. But yeah. Don comes in right away. And like, dude, honestly, he hit it off with everybody like instantly, totally personable guy, mm-hmm. good, good mood guy, you know, brings up the morale of the gym. And yeah. like, he's one of the guys, like if he, if you're, if he's your training partner, you're like, you're a lucky guy. Cause yeah. he's going to work and you know, yeah. he's not going to be a jerk or cheap shot or anything like that. That's not always a guarantee, I guess, when, you know, you, you never know what uh, you're up into with, with people at the d- gym. D- is that, is dude, that the case? Sure. Me? Correct. Yeah. So it's uh it can be, it can, it, it is a double-edged sword at times. So think of it like this, right. And it's, mm-hmm. and it could be just like you, you know, like say one dude is like a higher skilled kind of guy in class and he's there like getting his reps in, doing his work and things like that. And if he's paired with like a newbie who doesn't know what he's doing, who can't really keep the pace, who's like always like stopping and like, and like taking breaks and like, like not doing the shit right. Then it's like, it takes away from him doing his work. You know what I mean? Right. So like, you know, and that honestly, that's like a thing. And like, that'll happen sometimes. Usually I try to pair everyone like with an equal skill level, if we even do partners, because a lot of times it's mitts and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, there can be times where it's like, you know, you're paired with a guy and he's a he's kind of an egg. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it happens. But sometimes too, though, like you can <laughs> see those people who you and like, it could happen where you see those people who you thought like, this guy's gonna be a, a nightmare. And he goes in and he actually does really well. And he mm-hmm. like, you know, he, he like he he's not on par, but he raises the level and he can hang. And Don was one of those guys right away. 
right? Another thing I really appreciated with Don is that Don brought his kids in. So he brings his two sons to the gym. And honestly, a lot of it is it was like the stuff I love to see. And I think kids need this these days where it's like the tough love, right? Now, it was never mm-hmm. like people, when you say tough love, like people get the, I feel people get the wrong impression right away. They're thinking like, oh, they're, that's borderline abusive. And I was like, no, it's not, right? Like yeah. they're young men. They're young men. They, you have to treat young men a certain way. You know what I mean? Like you can't, there, when, especially when it comes to like this scenario where you're teaching young men to protect themselves, mm-hmm. you, they have to like, there's no coddling them. Like they have to know it's, 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 you know, hit or get hit and you have to put them in a certain way. And the way I saw Don interact with his sons and the way I saw Don, like bringing his sons along and teaching them the ropes and things, it really garnered a lot of respect where it's like, this guy knows, like, this is how, you know, cause like there's some mama's boys that are coming in there and that's like, Hey man, you know, like you're at the wrong place, bro. Like, yeah. Hey, we're not, we're not claiming to be like the toughest sons of bitches in the world. But if you want to go, right. Yeah. Like if it, like, like there'll be times where like, I'll get a guy who's trying to press and like, I'll press right back, you know? And he's like, bro, like what the hell, man? Like, I'm like, dude, fucking you get what you give. You know what I mean? If you're going to try yeah. to press, I'm, I'm the fucking boss. You know what I mean? Like you can only press so hard. And like, there's been scenarios <laughs> like that. But like Don, instead of like, you know, and I don't say a lot of dads do this. Like I, you know, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say any, a bunch of the other dads at the gym do this, but I have seen other dads in other places where they're jumping in, like, you know, like don't go near my kid. And I can understand that. Right. Cause it is your kid. But on the other hand, you have to let them learn. Like you have to let them get punched. You have to let them see what it feels like yeah. to like fight back from adversity and like get dig out of the quicksand and all that stuff, man. Yeah. And when I saw him in there and like the tough love he would give the kids, dude, and his kids are the best. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to lie. His young, like both his sons are good, but his one son is going to be a killer. <laughs> he is going to be a killer. So he's like six years old in there, dude. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the videos of uh, Roger, Roger Mayweather. This is guy. His, his kid's probably like 18 now. But this is back when like Roger, when uh, Floyd was like, I think he was like fighting Ricky Hatton or like along like that time period. Okay. And they showed Roger Mayweather's kid who's like four years old with gloves. And he's just like punching and doing the shell and like all these things in like the kitchen. Right. That's That's like Don's kid. Like Don's kid does that. Like, but he's on steroids. He's like Mm -hmm. slipping and coming back and like, Oh my God. It's so, it's so good to see. And like the power he has for a little kid, you're like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) But so, but super exciting. Right. But so then there is one thing I did want to bring up, right? Sure. And this is something that, to me, I didn't notice it. And Don kind of opened my eyes to it, right? Sure. So when uh, I, so I, I've told this story before where I've like boxing, was boxing in a city and things like that, right? And I was saying I was at this gym. I won't, I went out the gym. I was at this gym downtown. And when I was at this gym, I was like, look, I was the only white guy there, right? Mm-hmm. And when I said that, Don said, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, like I'm like, like me here, like the opposite of me. And I was like, <laughs> as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that is true. <laughs> like, I didn't even think of it, though. I was like, oh, wow, is Don really the only black guy here? I guess, I guess so, you know, but like yeah, I was yeah, telling yeah. the story and things like that. And it didn't even come into mind because, you know, I don't know. To me, that's a topic we don't want to get on, but just like. It was just like a thing that right away I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe I'm like, 
didn't think like that, you know, but course, Don yeah. never like, he's one of those guys where he was like, you know, right in right away does really well. And like, I've been able to see his progression. That's one thing that like, it is very rewarding to see the progression of the guys that come in. Cause everyone starts like at the same level. Well, you know, some start better than others, but you know, like <laughs> some guys start out and like, if they work and you see them commit and you see him come in and like, then it's like, you see like, okay, like, let's go. Like you're, you kind of like you're they kind of get inducted into the loop like when they can become part of the stable you know what i mean like yeah the stable is like the guys that can that, that can you know like hey i need guys to get this guy ready for a fight and he's one of them like mm -hmm. when you become part of the stable like you're in you're one of the guys you know and mm -hmm. even before that you can kind of be but when you're like there then it's like okay listen like you know if if he tells you to do something you'd want to listen and like people are watching and seeing now and you know, yeah. like, cause it is a lot of times where like people check out like the sparring sessions and stuff like that. And then he's like traveling places and to going to other gyms and fighting mm. and things and like doing really well, you know? So yeah, I know I've talked him up enough and I've talked up to Jim enough and I know he's doing great and everything's good. And he's got, you know, his family and he, he's living in the life and doing the thing. Uh, but I know he's doing great. And I just wanted to ask Don, uh, have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? And if yes, what'd you think of that piece of shit movie? Actually, man, I have not seen that movie whatsoever. So. <laughs> I can't be of much use here. I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, you're not missing much because it stinks. <laughs> yeah, no, you're of plenty of use because Matt just wants to talk trash on the movie anyway. So he, oh my God. he prefers people who haven't seen it. Yeah, I think I think everyone prefers that. I don't know, but Shake's a big fan of it. But hey, Don, thanks for coming on, man. How are you, pal? I'm well. What about yourself? Thank you for having me. Hey, man, doing good, doing good. You know, some of us are better than others, Mr. Uh, Shake, Rattle, and Roll there, living out in California, yeah. California, in the yeah, sunshine. Yeah, taking in the sun. You know, and, and Don, you have the, the distinct record of having the shortest story. Matt, Matt, <laughs> when he does these, these opening stories, usually they're, they're epically long. And really, it depends on, like, how he knows the person and what the story is. But with the gym... I mean, we've been talking a lot about the gym lately, so I feel like our listeners kind of already know the basics of what they're getting into. Because I consider yeah. myself an outsider, just like the listeners. So, like, we're all learning at the same time what what the dynamic is for you guys at the gym and stuff. So, it's cool yeah. though. Now I want to I want you guys to like set up a video camera in there so I can just watch watch some sparring sessions. <laughs> for, for I've, got actually, I've got plenty yeah. of them. not yeah. Oh, I was just nice, gonna say nice, yeah. what Don does is that there's like a pillar by the uh by the boxing ring and he's he's he did this and I was like like I'd been there for like years at this time. I'm like, God damn, that's a great idea. <laughs> that's been there this whole time, and I never even thought of it. You I, know, I, I tape I tape every last part of session I've had, it is it's taped and uploaded. So I have access to everything. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. And is that stuff? Is there like a um like a, a, a secrecy involved with the gym? Do you guys have like, when, when you spar with someone and tape it, do you have to ask their permission? No, no, it's never, no, it's, I usually just tape. I, I don't think anyone's ever had an issue with me recording uh, the video. In yeah, fact, most guys will take hey, a copy of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, they appreciate it. They want yeah. a copy of it. Yeah. 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 I was, I was talking to my wife recently um, back when we were dating, she got like the iPhone when it first came out back uh, 2000, whatever year that was, 2007. Yeah. And she came to like, I had like a, like a intramural baseball game. It was just like a bunch of like washed up baseball players. 
And she took a video like of my at bat and it was, it's crazy <laughs> to think about it, but like, this was brand new technology. Yeah. But somebody out in like out in the world, out in the stands could just take a video of whatever they wanted to. And I, yeah. I remember I, I yelled at her, I was like, don't take videos of me. I don't want to see video of it. And then I kept grabbing, let me see this video. <laughs> take a look at this. <laughs> technique here. So. Dude, that's how that is crazy. Cause I remember like I had the flip gimmick, right. And you could take, pictures on the flip gimmick right like the mm -hmm. flip phone right and then when the because i had and i'm an android guy so like when i had the android come in i had like i think the second android same thing you could download music you could take pictures and videos they were garbage looking back at it now i mean you know not too much but like they weren't yeah. like it's not like you couldn't see what it was but it was almost like you know you're like mm -hmm. watching a VHS tape on your phone. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. But yeah, that's crazy, man. No, but Don, Don always tapes his sparring sessions and like he'd say, like, we'll go over them and stuff too. You know, like that's like the number one thing with, with people that come in the gym. And I hope people that come into the gym freaking hear this because I'm sick of saying it. Is that and and you know, it's much it's because it's been so long and I've been there so long is that you need to show me this before I even agree really to work with you. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of guys that'll come in and say like, dude, I want to fight. Like I want to get in there. I want to fight. I hear it all. I, I hear it all the time <laughs> daily sometimes. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, good. Okay. Look, I'll show you, but I'm not going to work with you. If you're missing training sessions, if you're not doing your outside work, if you're, if you're not here to train, like, you're right. not worth my time. Like you have to show me you're going to commit first. And the first part yeah. of commitment is just showing up the boxing class and doing that. Right. But like those guys that commit really like they, they like, you know, and then once they start working with us, they escalate fast. And Don was one of those guys yeah. that really escalate fast. I don't know if you saw it when I took the notes for the pre-show, right. The, mm -hmm. I one, took a glance, the yeah. One, yeah. One of the uh, hidden talents I put was the Philly shell and the jab. <laughs> so <laughs> Don does those pretty well, pretty, pretty well. But yeah. So, so what, um, Dom, what sports did you, uh, how long have you been boxing for and what sports did you play besides, uh, uh, you know, before you picked up boxing? Yeah. So I've been boxing for five years now. So five years, actually, uh, actually is it five, five or six years I've been boxing. Uh, and, and also I do train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, growing yeah, okay. up, I, I played, you know, organized sports. I only played football growing up, which was the only organized sports I, sport I ever played. Mm -hmm. Like everyone else, you know, basketball, uh, baseball. Schoolyard stuff. Yeah, yeah, schoolyard stuff. But that was the only, football was the only thing I played that was actually organized. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Which was good, though. Can't complain. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and Matt, sorry, I'm taking, I feel like I'm taking the controls here, but Matt, Good, what what sports like I know that you've said like uh, high school wrestling like translates really well to MMA and boxing and being in that environment for the gym in general. But what yeah. like what organized sports, if you had to rank them, contribute to boxing? Like what if I if I had to play another sport and then come into boxing, what sport would you want me to have played? Would it be? Oh, I would say no. I mean, wrestling is number. I mean, is it discounting wrestling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you got to think okay. wrestling doesn't count. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because wrestling is by far number one. Uh, um, let me think. I mean, hmm. You'd have to if so. It's it's so if you were. It is tough. Like okay, so the owner of our gym, Rich Lada, uh, mm -hmm. Don obviously knows Rich very well too. 
Rich is, dude, this guy, he's like, dude, he's such like a, like a brother, father figure to me. I've known him for so long. He's helped me so much. He's, you know, he's just the best dude, but he is like a wealth of knowledge in like the fight game. Like, dude, he was fighting like boss rooting in like UFC two. You know what I mean? Like he's been, he's just been, he's like been head of security for Pearl Jam and like, just, he's the baddest dude going, but the, the nicest guy you'll ever meet Mm -hmm. ever. Right. But he says that uh, one of the big things he's into is dog breeding. And he's like breeding applies to people, too. Right. Where it's like there's certain people, they could be the most athletic specimen, you know, uh, you you know, Usain Bolt and and like, you know, Carl Lewis and like all these just like athletic Adonises. Mm -hmm. Right. Does not mean that they can fight. Reason is, is because like. Say, okay, let's think of like the best, like one of the best athletes on the planet right now, LeBron James, right? Mm -hmm. LeBron James, by far one of the best athletes on the planet. And honestly, he's huge. He could probably be like, physically, he has all the intangibles to be a great boxer. But we don't know, like my, I'd have to say, and my skull is probably thicker than the normal human skull. Just because (laughs) of like hereditarily, like my grandfather boxed, my dad boxed. You know what I mean? I guess my, I don't know if my great grandfather boxed, but maybe. I don't know, man. That's, yeah, right? I don't but know. Like, I don't know if that's. Uh, my, yeah, okay. my, my hands are probably heavier, right? My head is probably harder and thicker, right? My bones are yeah. denser, right? Than maybe the normal person. And I believe that that's true, where it's like lineage has a lot to do with it. You know, like you could be. Dude, you could be a stud, stud athlete, but if you come in and like if I flick you and you're mm-hmm. done, right? Like then that then it doesn't matter. But if you come in and you got world class beard, right? Like I'll let you know. Like you can go like and you can take some of the punishment. Then it's like you're easier to mold in a way, yeah, right? Yeah. But I would say if I had to pick a sport, it is tough to choose. I mean. Football players, eh, because they gas like a son of like they yeah. they have the intimidation factor where it's like they yeah. have the physique and the intimidation. It, which it, yeah, the fight would have to be about seven seconds long in order <laughs> for it to be a success. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly, you know who would probably be like if I could get like a cross country runner, right? If it's a cross country yeah. runner that was that had like you know the bone structure and all that happy <laughs> horse shit. Right. Because another thing is, too, is like your hands. Right. Like I've thrown thousands upon thousands upon thousands of punches. Right. And I've run Mm -hmm. thousands of miles like my knees are shot to shit. My hands are killing me. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like and like not to mention your joints, your shoulders, your elbows, like in your hips and like all these things. So like but if I could get a cross country runner that can fit like, you know, the bone density bullshit that I, I said. Like mm-hmm. I think, because of their stamina. Yeah, we're like gonna have, the one, we're gonna have to get some uh, some lessons on evolution here to, to put this to the test. You, you're claiming, you're claiming not, in the, you think in the course of a hundred. You said your your great grandfather. So in the course of hundred and fifty years, you think that your your skull hard like got thicker? I don't, yes, I don't know, man. We'll Dude, have to look you, into this. you don't we'll think okay? Together. You don't think like we're blue collar? Don's blue collar, right? My dad was a blue collar. Is that his dad, dad was, was a boxer yeah. too? Uh-huh. Okay, so you don't think right that like we've all been blue collar descendants of blue collar people? Mm-hmm. You don't think that our bone structure is more like firmer and like well, I guess I, our I guess skins, I don't know. our skins maybe a little tougher than like some Nancy, 
You know what I mean? That's like, uh, you know, the Prince of England or some happy crap oh, that's maybe, maybe. living living on silk pillows. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I don't dude, know. that shit, dude, that shit matters. I'm going to do some research you. on this. I'm going to, I'm going to try to find this out. No, but your, your point's well taken about like other sports and trying to apply them to, man, any of these fighting sports, it's just so difficult. Somebody like, like I come from organized sports and I played football. And like you said, you get gassed so quickly. I just, oh, yeah. my, my body will not let me do something with endurance and then exert energy. Like, it's just, <laughs> it won't do it. Like, okay, if you want to run for a long time, do it, but you have to do it very slowly and like take yeah. your time. But like I've done, man, back in the day, I did a couple boxing workouts with you. I don't even know if you remember that. It was like in your garage and yeah, I was, we were just hitting the heavy bag. Yeah. We are just hitting the heavy bag and I, I couldn't believe how tired I was. And I couldn't believe like my body just wasn't built for it. Uh, yeah. After high school, I picked up rugby. I joined like the local rugby team. And that Can't is tell me some one. of their skulls ain't fucking thicker. <laughs> than, you know, <laughs> I don't want to hear that. And, and that's a sport that is endurance. But it, I mean, it's it's very applicable to football. Like people think it looks yeah. a lot like football. And I went in thinking it's more like, soccer, yeah. right? Well, when you say like running wise, it is. Yeah. I, I mean, just exerting yourself at random times, yeah. you, you have to run at like 60% and then all of a sudden turn it on to a hundred percent. And then when you're done, you have to keep going at 60%. You don't get to stop and take a breath. That's and, yeah. And I, and getting into it, I thought before I knew all of this, I thought, yeah, I played football. Like I'll just go out there and I'll, you know, I'll tackle better than everyone else. I'll run faster than everybody else. I know how to carry the ball. And I would see these guys that were like, like old men, like, I mean, guys like in their forties, yeah, know, yeah. I'm in my thirties now. So they're not old men. <laughs> yeah. to me now, but, but back then I thought they were like old men in their forties that were from England or from New Zealand. And I would see them like out in the field, kind of, you know, pitching the ball and stuff. And I thought they don't look very athletic. Like they don't look like they're that skilled. I think we're just going to work them. Like we're going to roll over these guys and man, their technique mm. was like perfect. Cause they've been doing it oh. since they were little tiny kids. Yeah, they know it's like one of those like frustrating things. I'm sure you have it in, in wrestling and boxing where, like you said, someone might not be the most like perfect looking specimen of like, you know, Jack dude. And then you, yeah. you get up against them and, and somehow their technique is just so incredible that you can't you just get frustrated by them. So, OK, yeah, go down. No, no, no down, I think go, I mean, go. so so when it comes to really, it's I think it's almost boxing in particular, but really combat sports in general, it, you, you can almost, you can almost tell, uh, not, not just based on the look, but you can tell from an athletic standpoint, who can fight, who can't, if that makes sense. The more muscles you have, Agreed. the less likely you are to be able to stand in the ring or even, you know, train and be able to last for a long time. Uh, but I think boxing yeah. is, is probably one of the most rigorous sports out there. I don't think there's any way you can prepare, prepare for it because it's, there's so many elements involved in boxing as it relates to specific, specifically sparring, breathing, yeah pacing yourself, all that comes hand oh, yeah. in hand with boxing. And then really Balance. technique yeah. comes into play as, as well. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's really agreed. Prepares you for it. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. We actually have a saying in the gym. And I know Don's heard me say this when it comes to boxing and like sports like that, you only, you can run 10 miles and, and do a million pushups. I don't give a shit. The only way to train for this shit is to do it. Yeah. And that's the facts, man. Like you can be, you could be a marathon runner. I doesn't mean you can get in there and last three rounds. I'll tell you that right now. Like you might have some conditioning, but like your arms aren't going to be able to take it. Your body's not going to be able to take it. You're not going to move. So you're going to be hit, like hit, like 
mentally are you going to be able to handle the quicksand? Like all that stuff comes into play. And like you were saying, Shake, when you were talking about going from a 60 to 100, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole time is because when I tell people like the speed, the pace when you're in there is sprint to a fast, sprint to a fast shock, 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 then a minute break, then sprint to a fast shock. You have to <laughs> learn to get, you have to learn to control your heart rate too. Cause yeah. like when you go into the corner and your shit's pumping, right. And you have like a, and you can't control that dump. It, dude, it, it rips you out on the inside. You know what I mean? Like mm. you have to be able to do that. Like, but the only way to train for that shit is to do it. You got to put your body through it. Yeah. But I like yeah, being, man. I like being in the position where I've never done it. And I can just tell people, I think I'd be really good at it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the luck I have is I've never well, tried got, it. So I can go. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, if I ever want to pick it up, I'll be really good at if, it. If you recall, <laughs> man, my first sparring session was with Dennis. Remember it was Malik, you, Dennis and I, and I barely made it yeah, out of the yeah, first yeah. round. And then like the second round, I was done like a minute and a half in. That was my very first sparring session. So oh, it's, so obviously it just takes time. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an evolution. Dennis, God. Oh, Dennis, Dennis. Oh, yeah. Dennis, I remember Dennis. Dennis. Jack. Yeah, yep, Jack yep, in Jack shape, is, Dennis. Yep. Super, super shredded Dennis. Yep. Yeah, dude. Great guy. And he was left-handed too. We he threw was. you to fucking wolves yep. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that like a real, is that a real like, tough thing to handle is, is a lefty absolutely i mean it's yeah. it's yeah diff- diff- and it's fucking well, annoying too. yeah it's just so it's, yeah, it's all, yeah, it's, yeah. I, i'm not gonna say it's difficult it's just it's just the reverse basically so they everything they do is in reverse to what you do mm-hmm. and if they're really yeah. good then it, it could does, be a real problem yeah it does suck too like you when you are with an orthodox guy you get used to seeing punches coming from a certain way and like you kind of know and now it's like, oh, fuck, he's getting me with that shit. I didn't like right. I forgot it wasn't it was going to be there instead of there. You know what I mean? And like you're moving in the wrong place. Like, God damn it. But then like <laughs> dude, you adjust like that's the whole thing, dude. It's all about adjusting. And like Don's really good. at He's good at suckering. Is He's good at bringing guys in and then and then trapping them and smothering them. Right. Mm. So that means like you got to play the chess game. Right. Yeah. And it's. When they say it's a sweet science, bro, like I like we have so many different like uh, like stupid like like idioms, like sayings. I'll say like you got to learn to read the book and like, you know, like stay on the pole and like all this dumb shit and pump and stick and like all that (laughs) stupid shit. But like it it all all means like so like say if we're there. Right. When if say if we're in the ring and it's and it's me and me and Don. Right. Me and Don are in the middle of the ring. Say if I throw three punches, I'm not looking where the punches land. I'm looking what Don does when I throw the three punches, right? Oh my God. So if I throw three punches and I see Don's hands come up high and his elbows go up below, like above his hips and his ribs start to show, then I know like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get him overconfident and catching shit up top and I'm going to rip him down. So like, I'll do like, say if, we, if I do like a double jab two up top and I see him come up, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get him. So I'll do double, I'll do a, like a one, two up top. Right. And he'll like catch it. And he's like, Oh, I got that. Nice. And I'll do a one, two up top again. And he'll be like, Oh, I'll catch it. Caught it again. Fucking throw your one twos all day. Right. So then on the third time, right. I'll do a jab up top and I'll fake the two. So his hands are way up here. So his body's exposed. And then you just sit and rip and let him have it. And that's, and then the belt, then the elbows go down. So then the <laughs> next time you go to the body, you fake the body and you go up top and then yeah, you go up the middle. Right. We yeah. got like, yeah. Do things like triangle, like we have like it's like almost like a playbook. Like I try yeah. to get them to run, especially the young guys. Because you're like, say you do like like okay, say if they're catching, right? Not slipping, but catching the punches. You do one, mm-hmm. two, three, two, right? One, two, three, two gets the hands here, right? 
So, and for those of us not, obviously those listening, not seeing, my hands are in front of my face, right? And mm -hmm. it creates a gap between your elbows, right? Yeah, so yeah. then the gap between your elbows is susceptible for an uppercut. So you do one, two, three, two, that comes up here. So the next time you do one, two, three, two, right upper, or one, two, three, right uppercut instead of a two. So then the elbows close. So then there's a gap around here. So you do one, two, three, right hook, right? And then it comes around there. Right. And then you do head body two. And then you do head yeah. body two three. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like a just, chess match. Yeah. yeah that's that's exactly wild. forever evolving. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. So, and that, that's the thing about boxing. People just assume it's two brutes getting in there throwing punches, but it's really it's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of strategy. Um, there's a lot involved. Mm -hmm. People just think it's just physical. No, it's it's a thinking man's game. Yeah. And, and really a bo Very boxing much. applies to real life as well. I mean, there's so many allegories between what happens in the ring and what happens in real life. Like you get hit. Right. That's part of life. You get knocked down sometimes in life, but you get back up and you keep going. You make adjustments um, as you do in real life. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Not having an opportunity to take a breath and yeah. before you have to have some sort of reaction. Now, when you guys watch boxing and like professionals on TV, are you like watching it differently? Are you seeing like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy's leaving, <laughs> leaving this open, leaving that open? Or are you? conversely like super impressed like i can't believe how good these guys are at protecting so, Don, i know that's Don, mayweather yeah. like that was like his thing right is people yeah. always got like my my me and my buddies who don't know boxing would always be like what makes him so good like how is he possibly this good he doesn't even and look him. super impressive in these matches and the answer is that he just is impenetrable is that is that am i correct with that Tough, tough to hit for sure. Yeah. When it comes to Mayweather, his defense is, is top notch, man. He's, but also don't get it twisted. The dude's, dude's fast as shit. Right. And he'll mm -hmm. snap on you real quick. And like, he reads the book, man. Right. He reads your book. When you're walking in, he's already picking you apart. So he knows, say, imagine this, right. You walk in with a double jab too. He counters with a right and sees where your hand catches the right. So he knows so he knows four punches he's going to hit you with a right to the body right mm -hmm. so you come in again he counters with a straight right you comes in again he counters with a hook he comes in again you count with a jab up the middle and you catch it with your front hand right so now he knows the next time you come in he's going to faint something up here which leaves the elbow high and the rib cage exposed and he's going to sit and rip to the body right mm -hmm. or he's going to come with an uppercut but his shit's so tight that he wears you down. And, and that's not to be said that he hasn't been hit because he definitely has like Maidana, Mosley, Castillo, the, like, you know, obviously like the big thing with him is you got to brawl him, but who can like, it's tough to brawl him the whole time. You know what I mean? Like you got to be like on him, pushing him around, like getting him out of his off bounce and out of his stance. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But dude, he's dude. It's tough to do it, man. It's he is, he's, he's awesome. But Don here, Don is, I would actually like to know because when Don first started to come in, right, which wasn't that six years, like, you know, he was watching boxing before that and he probably had an idea, but now his IQ of boxing is so much higher. He probably sees so much different, like, it's a completely different game to him now than it was before. But he's been, so this is awesome. Don was actually at the Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua fight. Yes. When yeah. Andy Ruiz upset Anthony Joshua with like mm -hmm. the biggest upset in the last yeah. 30 years. That yeah. was crazy. And, and the crazy part is I start. So the good thing is I went with my son and mm -hmm. I started not to even go, but, but what made me go is I said, you know what? When is the next time Anthony Joshua, Joshua will be in the United States boxing again? Yep. So I said, you know, what? it's in New York. Let me go. And all of a sudden it just yeah. turns into one of these historical moments that will 
we'll talk about this 10 years from now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Absolutely. And especially now with, you know, obviously people aren't allowed to go to events and it's so far and even thinking like, Oh yeah, people yeah. in stands, like seeing those live moments uh, that, that, that is awesome, man. That's special. Dude, th- think about this too. Right. It, so his son, I will not shit. I messed up saying his name before, so I'm not going to say it, but his son, he took right at first when he came back, like we're at the gym and I'm like, damn, you're at that fight. You know what I mean? And his son's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, whatever. Tried to play it off. And he's like, my dad was going crazy. Was like, how could you not go crazy? It's the biggest upset ever, yeah. you know? And then I was like, man, you're acting cool now, but you're going to tell your grandkids you're at this fight because people yeah. are still going to be talking about that fight when you're 80, you know what I mean? And your dad took you there. So like the fact that you were able to give that to your son, huge, man. That was so great. Thank you. Even like, dude, like going to like those major fights is fun, but like, you know, in a couple months we got a corner for, for fighting Frankie Palumbo. You know what I mean? Like I got a corner for him because he got the, uh, the cop fight again. Okay. Nice. Nice. Those fights are even, yeah. Yeah. Those fights are even better, man. You know? Cause it's like, no, no, I've I've actually, so, I was telling my buddy, I've actually had, so I'm, I'm a big boxing fan, period, but I've actually had just as much fun, if not more fun, at amateur level fights than professional fights. Yeah. Because everything is up close and personal, and it's almost yep. like, wow. Like, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I can agree with that 100%. Oh, yeah. And yeah, dude, the, I'll tell you what, this will be for, when I corner for Frank for this one, this will be like the fourth time I've done it. The second with Frank, and I did it with two other guys before. But it's the so it used to be the cops versus the firemen. Right. Now it's like there's a couple firemen, but it's mostly like cops versus cops. Okay. Right. And they're tailgating before they go in. It's nice. the place is the it's the armory. They sell out the armory, which is like probably like three and a half thousand people, maybe four. They do the whole gimmick with like the national guard and the flags and everything and nice. the national anthem nice. before they start. So this place is going nuts. It's going crazy. You know what I mean? So and like, dude. The crowd is r- rocking, you know, like it's, yeah. dude, it's when Where you get to that? a fight scene, the armory's in the Northeast, Northeast Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Dude. But it's like, I'm telling you, man, uh, black, like you're right, Don, those, some of those amateur fights, like I've been to amateur fights at like boys and girls clubs and like, you know, like freaking Bethlehem in like the middle of nowhere, you know, or like, yeah. the, like, you know, rec centers, like in the middle of nowhere and things like that, where it's like, dude, it's like, your buddy, like you're fighting and like your a bunch of your buddies are there and like you're fighting a guy and a bunch of his buddies are there. And it's like re- really like almost like like a gang fight, you know, <laughs> like an organized gang fight between two guys, like, you know, like two got two gangs, but they're two guys going. But it's like, dude, it and it get, you get like some, you know, it, the way you have to market boxing is very much like uh, like a cultural thing. Right. Like if you're mm. white and Irish, you better market the shit out of that. You know <laughs> what I mean? Or Italian or like. You look at Gotti and Ward, like that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, man, dude, boxing, and it sucks, like, you know, the way boxing, it, let's not get it twisted. And Don, I think you'll agree with me. Boxing is the most corrupt sport on the planet. Absolutely. The most corrupt sport on the planet. <laughs> Without a question. <laughs> Without a question. Dude, USA Boxing was dis- was disbanded for over a year for corruption. USA Boxing, like Oli- where you go for Olympic trials right. and all that stuff, USA Boxing was disbanded for over a year because of corruption because <laughs> they're just the worst <laughs> it's so yeah. bad uh but i mean it is what it is that's it's boxing a- in a nutshell that's why smokers are dude i like going i i mean you know i've been in a couple smokers but like 
they do they're just as good and like you get such good work plus too they have like things where like you know like front street does fights on on fridays and stuff like you can get like really good work and plus philadelphia is still the number one boxing city in the world so we're pretty fortunate to have all that you know but okay so we've uh we've jerked boxing's chain enough so let's keep it going we're going to move on to the new hot segment, Hitting the Streets, everyone's new favorite segment. I'm talking about memory lane. Where do these bizarre memories come from? So in English, if you say this is lame, when you're describing something, uh, what you are saying is that it's not cool, it's not awesome, uh, it's not interesting. Now, that's lame as in not cool, as in, you know, the USA Boxing being disbanded for corruption. Not cool, right? (laughs) L-A-M-E. So this is where we're going to bring up some topics from the 90s, and we're going to talk about them and then vote to see if they're still totally radical tubular or if they're lame. All right, so... Danny Wani, since you're uh, since you're the guest, uh, the tradition is that the guest brings up the first memory lame topic. So what do you got for us today, bud? So I think back to memory lane. I think obviously back to me being a kid and what was one yep. of the most popular items back then. Um, and and the, one of the first thing, things that came to mind was the Super Soaker, which was all the rage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Oh, man. Did you have did you have a Super Soaker? I did. I did. I had, I had the um I had the so I had one where you literally had a tank, like a backpack with water, if that makes sense. The, the oh um, that <laughs> I had that you one. had the you had the yeah, big had one. The, oh my like the god. Ghostbusters yeah. situation. Oh <laughs> my god. I remember when I was I was six, so my older brother asshole, it was his eighth birthday. And it was like, dude, it was like two, it was like a week before we moved out of, like I used to, I was born in, in, in California and moved here when I was seven, but it was like a, it was like a week before we moved out. It was my older brother asshole's birthday party. Right. And he had gotten mm. a super soaker 200 wow. for his mm. birthday. Wow. Babe. It was like, it was red and had the two containers on the top. This thing was <laughs> a killer. Yeah. Right. Like, dude, I'm telling you, I remember I had the super soaker 85. Five that three nozzles out the top. Oh my god! Yeah. It was, dude. Super soakers were the gimmick, babe. The yeah, gimmick. It, was, it was quite literally an arms race with the super soakers. Like, you know, <laughs> every, every summer or month or whatever it was, some new product would come out that would blow away all oh, yeah. the rest, and Did then they... one kid in the neighborhood would get it, and and they would be the king of of whatever week that was. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Didn't they ban them at one point in like certain cities or something? It was something that people were using them for like illegal those purposes. Are, the so big water balloon probably got a hold of that city. Okay. And they're like, we're <laughs> water balloons were great. I love water balloons. Yeah. And, and I think, I don't know, like weirdly that like my mom, I think would like be down with buying us water balloons. And yeah, yeah. She was not the type to buy us like things like that. She, she totally would have prevented us from getting super soakers, but like she was okay with water balloons and you can do some damage with water balloons. Oh, <laughs> for sure. They're more damaging. Like the water balloons will get you more than like anything yeah, else. Sometimes, you know? the face with them because and... they don't always break. Sometimes yeah, they they're don't. getting you. And... Yeah, dude, they're brutal. Yeah, I, I love sure. super soakers. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like you said, like the ones where eventually they got ones that were sort of like mechanical. Oh, yeah, like they had some sort of yeah, like mechanism in them. Yeah, you know, 
you know, there wasn't any logical end in sight to the super soakers, you know, like, no, I still see them. The good old I still days. see them. Yeah. Are, have they, are they like insane now? I haven't seen like a modern. What do they have like the super soaker 20,000 yeah, or something? Yeah, I, like, I where mean, the hell do they even go? Not, not in any like popular form, but I've definitely seen them around recently. You can yeah, still get yeah. like the regular handheld gun. Hmm. Yeah. They can't, yeah. I mean, like Nerf guns are like, I've, we've talked about it before on this show and shit, I don't want to waste a memory lane, but you know, Nerf guns are like next level now too. So yeah. I can only imagine super soakers and Nerf guns. We're going hand in hand, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Super Soaker was crazy, dude. Yeah. Like, they had killer commercials too. I'm not gonna lie, that was another one. Yeah, the commercials were great. Yeah, we had uh, on the show a couple weeks ago. We talked about Crossfire. Do you remember the game Crossfire, Don? The, the yeah, I, like a board, yeah, yeah, with, I, with like the yeah, gun. Yeah, yeah, I had that. I had that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like we were talking about that commercial was unbelievably yeah. good with like the 80s hair and the leather and the music yeah, it was awesome <laughs> super, super soaker was like the same way i remember the super soaker commercial was pretty good pretty pretty good so yeah no doubt all right so all right we've deliberated enough so uh let's do a vote so donnie juan what's your vote you're gonna vote rad or lame on the super soaker red yeah shake rattle and roll yeah absolutely super soaker is ruled Dude, agreed. Mondo Rad for the Super Soaker. Of course, Rad's all around. All right. Yeah, that's, that's, a, a, that's a slam dunk right there, man. For Those sure. Things. For sure. Oh, yeah. All right, Shake Diggy, do you want to do one more and then we'll get into some heavy hitting? What do you yeah, got? Yeah, yeah. Let's go with... Um, okay, here's, here's what we're going to go with this week is the um invention of the caller id boxes oh yes do i ever oh my god yeah and yeah. From what, what i the way it was introduced in my house was we had a regular landline Damn. and you would get this box like from the phone company and you could like sort of hook it in there <laughs> yeah and and it wasn't like attached to the phone at all. Like eventually, obviously, like the landlines, you could just look at the little LED screen and it had that. But this was like an added on thing and it changed the game. It totally changed oh, yeah, that was crazy. people calling people. Dude, I, mean, Jake, I remember yours, wasn't it like hanging up on the wall next to your kitchen phone? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. And, and it was one of those ones where it probably came like white or like super light gray. But that thing turned like gross dirt brown like you know <laughs> yeah it's like yellow brown and then companies uh, eventually got a lot better like with their plastic like yeah let's just make this thing like dark gray or something so it doesn't look so gross after a month <laughs> of a bunch of little kids touching it you know yeah so yeah Don, you had it right yeah i had Color it ID. yeah i had one well one because like you you could see because when they called like you could see who called by the caller ID, right. you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it had like their name and number. Do you ever? Do you still remember? I remember a bunch of like shake. Like I remember your your house phone, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I remember your house's number. Yeah, I remember yeah. like Box Bowers, Ron's, like all of them. I could spell. I couldn't tell you my wife's cell phone number, but yeah. I could tell you yeah. all of those. <laughs> do you remember Juliano's yeah. phone number? Oh no, damn it! I was. I never. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. No, I, can't. I'm, I think it's probably a three six two number, but you know yeah, that's yeah. all I remember, or an eight five five. Man, but I already changed the game. 
I, I, my wife and I are rewatching Seinfeld. It's, it's all the whole thing's on Hulu and we're rewatching the whole thing because mm, so good that that's like her thing is she loves rewatching old shows. And I said, like, yeah, we're going to watch an old show. You got to watch Seinfeld. And like the one old of, show, one of the first episodes is him. He's like waiting around in his apartment for a call, but he doesn't have um, caller ID. So he has to answer the phone and somebody he wants to talk to. <laughs> He's not calling, but he's waiting. Oh, he's that's so good. Somebody keeps calling that he doesn't want to talk to, but he has to answer every time because he has no idea who it's going to be. Yeah. And and I just think like, man, that that really changed like society. Like people oh, yeah. knowing who's calling and, yeah. and whether or not they need to answer. I, uh, yeah. I one thing <laughs> one thing I remember um, when I was in like middle school, I I was you know I had like a girlfriend, but not really a girlfriend, yeah, just a girl that I would call. No, not my wife. This is this is a little <laughs> bit before I met my wife. But I, you know, you had to call a girl's house and talk to like her parents and be oh, like, hey, bro. so and so there. Can I speak to so and so? And I remember one time I called up and like I did it like two times in a row. I said the wrong name. Like I said, oh. you know, is Lauren there? But I was think I was calling somebody named, you know, Ellen or something. Oh, and, God. and I got weirded out and I like sort of hung up and I called back trying to be nonchalant. And I did the same mistake again. They were like, come on. You <laughs> <laughs> look like, dude, Eileen doesn't live here. How many times you yeah, call? Yeah. I don't know what you, what you say. There's no Eileen yeah. here, pal. And damn, and Matt, were you, you dating like eighty-year-old women when you were yeah. in middle school? Shake, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I changed the name to protect the innocent, man. Yeah, changed the name. Now, Matt, as a, a father of a daughter, you know, and, and Don, I know you have kids. I'm not sure if you have any daughters, but no, no daughters. Oh, okay. So the cliche, obviously, that everyone you know thinks is like when you're, especially like Matt being you know, like a boxer and everything like, Oh, some guys come trying to hang out with my daughter. I'm going to beat them up, that kind of thing. But I have to imagine you're going to get some serious, like comedic moments, like with these. Oh, I'm going to tear, <laughs> I'm going like, to terrorize these poor little guys. Well, <laughs> she's not, my daughter's not going to start dating till she's 30. Yeah. And so, you know, See, I think, being, no, I don't I know. I mean, you, you should let the boys, you should let her date younger so that you can like intimidate them, but also just, Get some laughing moments out of these these poor yeah. kids coming over terrified. Because I we'll was there. See, I, I remember being yeah. there. I I know we, we and I've said this story on the show before. Um, but uh, my dad, Don, I'll tell you, my dad. Uh, one time, my sister. I have an older sister. She's the oldest, so it's my sister, then my older brother, asshole, then me, and then my little brother, Alex, and. My sister, uh, she only ever brought a dude over the house one time, right? Wow. So they're sitting in the living room, and like she brought a dude over one time, never brought a dude over again, and then the next dude she brought over is her now husband, right? Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. but she just didn't want to bring him over to the house. But uh, so she brought this dude over and they're like sitting on the couch in the living room, like teenage kids just watching TV, just like hanging out, watching nothing wrong. Like, don't, no, like not even like not even like touching, really just sitting next to each other, like on the couch, watching mm -hmm. TV, like just normal, like teenage kids, nothing crazy. My parents were both home. Right. There's like, you know, 
So my dad, he was like, he, he's pretty, he's a hard ass. So he had like a, he had a plate of food. Right. And so he went into the living room and sat in between them on the couch with like his plate of food. <laughs> wow. And like started to like eat and stuff. And my sister's like, my, my sister's like mortified. She's like, oh my God. Like she gets up, like runs to my mom, like, mom, oh my God, dad's embarrassing me. Wow. Like all this shit. Right. And like while she's away, like talking to my mom, the kid, and the kid had some balls for doing this, but he's like, so what do you think of this uh, movie, Mr. Lavelle? And he just, he like puts his shit, he puts his shit down and looks to him. He says, he's like, you want to shut the fuck up? I'm trying to watch this. It's just like, wow. <laughs> it was like, oh, dude, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh man, if I have ever a chance, I'm fucking doing that. But I don't know. So like another thing too, and like people have asked me this, I would love to bring my daughter to the gym. There's how many young girls are there oh. that it's like, it strengthens them, man. Yeah, it really I, does. I agree. Yeah. I, if I actually had a daughter, I, I would definitely have her in the gym. It, it would, it would be mandatory. Mandatory. Yeah, and like, yeah, and like, honestly, and it's not to one keeps them in shape. So it helps with self confidence. It helps mm -hmm. with like perseverance through everything. Like that, we have a saying: like this type of training is training for your life. Like you're saying, like there is not an obstacle tougher than when you're going to training and all that stuff. And like it becomes just like ingrained in you and a part of yeah. your life. You mm -hmm. know. So like, I would love for one, it gives her self-confidence and like also like reassurance that she knows how to take care of herself. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, who's like one of the best, like, you know, did you ever meet uh, Jordan's wife, Amber? Amber of course. She's yes. like, a, of yeah. course you met Amber. Amber is the fucking greatest, dude. She is the greatest. When we, so when we, when, when I was still fighting, they used to run, like Amber was such a badass that she was running fight cards right like like jordan's cards that he was fighting on right like to imagine this shake like she's i think amber's like a couple of years younger than me and mm -hmm. she's like you know in her early 20s like yet telling like organizing fights with grown-ass men who are about to like you know go to war in a cage yeah, right yeah. and she's like look fuckhead you have to be here on this spot at this time <laughs> or you're not fucking fighting and i don't care if you fucking are a pound over you need to fucking like She's like in their face, right. like, but she's also like very organized and like got the whole like, dude, we we sold out the Starland Ballroom with seats like two thousand people or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. she's doing all that and she's running all that shit and then like handling mm -hmm. contracts and things like that. Like, dude, that's a fucking confident fucking boss. And like, you know, and I feel like my wife's that way too. She's not like, you know, she's not organizing any fights or anything, but she's still the same way, like very confident. And I think like, but for. Amber, I think a lot of that came from like, she's confident, like, yeah, if something fucking, I know how, she knows how to handle herself. Mm -hmm. She's not scared. Like, and I think that came from like her training, you know? And I see like, there's Agreed. a bunch of young women in there who are very like respectable and very like well-spoken and, and confident and like not, you know, th they have like value in themselves. I think that's one of the biggest things I want to install in my daughter is like, you need to know how valuable you are. And like, you are from good stock and you're worth a lot. Like, don't take no dumbass boy to tell you some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? True. Like I know those fucking kids because I was one of them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Don't let no dumb yeah. son of a bitch lie to you. I'm gonna tell yeah. her all the tricks. Right. Like this fucker tries this, punch him in the nuts. You know? But yeah. So. Yeah, that's but, great. Yeah, though. I, I think that people should and do, you know, aim for environments where it's like a merit-based activity. You know, like. You're saying there's so many things in, in the world that screw you and don't play by the rules and 
and it sucks because you have like very little control over your own life and what happens to you. But when you get to go into an activity such as, you know, boxing or whatever it is, and even other stuff, like it doesn't have to be a physical activity. It could be some sort of club whatever it is where where you just get to mix it up with people musical instrument something yeah yeah, or even like a book club i know it sounds dorky but like you know you know like you join a book club you read a book and then you talk to people about it and guess what they don't care what your bank account is they they you know they don't care about all the other parts of your life but Mm -hmm. you know people should be aiming for for things where it's a little bit more of a you know level playing field and and Yeah. yeah like I, I think that, you know, women joining boxing for whatever reason is, you know, absolutely part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think too, like uh, they have a really, uh, first off, shout out uh, book clubs. Uh, I fucking talk about books on the show all the goddamn time. Want to start a book club if anyone's fucking out there. Second, <laughs> uh, second, uh, as far as I think too. So I think back in like the nineties, the you know, like the Tiger Shulmans and all that, kind of gave like karate is like a bad kind of karate, like that whole thing, like a stigma and like a bad rap and all that. So especially in the fighting community, but as far as Brazilian jujitsu goes, there's children, children's Brazilian jujitsu is nothing but successful, Mm -hmm. nothing. And like they bring, like we tell them like, bring your fucking kids that they say are a problem and have ADD and all that happy horseshit, bring them in here. Cause they're fucking, that's they, they'll thrive. And like, They'll learn to control themselves and they'll like get this aggression out and get all this stuff out and like learn to like be better, you know, like that kind of shit. See it all the time in the kids mm-hmm. classes. It's like such a success. So there's a lot of good things that can come out of it, especially for young kids. And, you know, and it's not like we're training kids to like, hey, punch a kid in the face right away. That's the last thing, because like I'll tell you this right now, like and we tell every kid that comes in who's like still in school or young. If we catch you fighting out of the gym, you're not you're not coming back, no, right? Like I don't want it. I, if I see anything online or anything like that, you're fucking out of here. And I want I don't care if I've trained you for six years. We don't tolerate that shit. We don't teach you that shit so you can be a fucking hooligan out on the street yeah. and give us a bad name. Like because when like you know when you leave the gym, you are a representative of somewhat of what you've learned there. That's true. So if they're doing that shit and getting expelled for fighting all that stuff, don't mm-hmm. fucking come back because we won't have you. Yeah. You know, which is how it should be. But either way, we were talking about uh, caller IDs. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shake, since you uh, since you brought it up, how about you uh, give us the first vote, Ski? What do you think? Uh, this is going to be a controversial answer, but I'm going to say that it's lame. I think that. Oh, you bastard! I, I think in a way, it you know, it it prevented people from having to interact with each other and answer the damn phone. You know, and and I'm going to say lame for all the. For everybody who just didn't answer when I called. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was a, I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure Eileen's really regretting <laughs> that decision. What about, what about you, Don? What are you going to go with the old collar ID? What, what was it? Lame and, or what, what was the first one? Well, uh, rad, rad, I, I'm going to go, go with rad. I think rad. I think even today we still have it in, in a different formation. So same. I go, I go with it. I'm, 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 I'm saying yeah. it's rad. Dude, it's same. I, it's, it's a close one. And I, I like being, I, I like screening my calls. There's some people I don't want to talk to. Um, yeah. Same. Like, don't, Fucking same. I, I like it. I like being able to, you know what? Not right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like well, a scam no, likely? It's definitely a necessity now. Like if it disappeared yeah. overnight somehow, we'd all be in some trouble. But oh, big in time. 1997 or whenever this thing was invented. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. 
So go ahead. Matt. Uh, so uh, no, I'm gonna vote it rad just because uh, like it stopped the telemarketers. There's a bit you could always tell a telemarketer. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna rad it. So two out of three. So that was another rousing segment of memory lane. Did a little bird walk in there, but that's how we do it around here, pal. All right, so we're moving on. We're going to head into the heavy stuff. All right, fans, now time for a break in the action. We're going to bring you a new segment called Shit That Happened in Wrestling with our good friend Steve Cavan. Steve, what shit happened in wrestling? We had some shit go down this weekend at the 2020 Olympic Wrestling Trials to represent your team, USA, in Tokyo this year at the Olympics. My guy... Big boy Gable Stevenson, named after Dan Gable. The huge 265-pound monster that does backflips like they're nothing, went up as a 19-year-old man fresh off of a week earlier winning his first NCAA title to get a shot at the Gwiz, Nick the Gwiz Wazowski from North Carolina State, who was also a two-time NCAA champion, and the last two years in a row was the bronze medalist in the world championships. And what happened? Gable beat the fucking brakes off that man, and he's a bad boy. Gable going to the Olympics and looking like he's going to win gold at 19. That's the shit that went down in wrestling. All right, and that was shit that happened in wrestling with our good friend Steve Gabbett. Now, back to the show. Donnie Wani, I want to get you out here on the right time. So let's do it, babe. So let's chat. So you have dude, some such fascinating stuff that I want to talk about and get into. And I, I'm really excited that you're here. Thanks so much. So Don uh, was born and raised in North Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground. Yep. <laughs> yep. So then he went <laughs> public school K through 12. He graduated from Northeast High School. Then he went to the Philly Community College. Then uh, after going from there, he went to Temple for undergrad and then got his master's in business administration from Penn State, right? Like he said before, he uh, did some organized football growing up and then, you know, some uh, backyard basketball, baseball, and all that kind of gimmick. Started boxing in 2016, right? But I want to get into his job history. So this to me, he, like when we were going over this, this was fascinating to me. So uh, his first job, we talked about it, was so they had a, a program called Fill a Job, and this was in the 90s. And the so what what happened was is that there's a program for Fill a Job for uh, youth kids in the city where they would give you like uh, like a working job for like a season, you know, like summertime or things like that. And mm-hmm. so Don's first job was working at Einstein Hospital stocking medical supplies. So, Don, tell me, tell me uh, your first job. How was that experience? What did you learn? And, and what did you think? I mean, that's a pretty unique position to be in as you were 14, 15 at the time, I think, 14. So what do you think? What? So give us a little rundown. How did you like it in the whole so, fill a job? So, you thing? know, it, it was good. It was my first time being able to earn my own money. So that paycheck nice. I got every week was was definitely a big bonus and benefit. Loved that was, it. I would say that was the most rewarding of, of, of it all. Um, for sure. The one thing I, I did like, and this is not even the job itself, is that I got a free voucher for lunch every day at the hospital. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, but hospital, every time I've been to a hospital, the food was always top notch. So I, I used to get like cheesesteaks every day, fries. It was that was kind oh, of, that was the man. one of the things I like was yeah. about 
working uh, at Einstein. Yeah, that was a good thing. That was a good thing. I girl, that's that's five days a week. Life. Yep, during the summertime. Yeah. Oh. You know, that seems <laughs> oh, to be yeah. a, a theme with people that we talk to, especially their early jobs. It's always like the weird perks. It's not yeah. It's not really about like the actual quality of the job. It's it's always like, you know, I had this job, it sucked, but I got to do this or I yeah. got to do that. And man, a, like a voucher like that for free, because yeah. working at like restaurants and stuff, some of them give you free, free dinners or whatever, if they're cool, but a lot of places won't. Like if you work, mm. Matt, when you worked at, uh, you ended up working at a um, Applebee's. Applebee's. Did they give you anything the, free there? Dude, they did it even <laughs> worse. This is, dude, this is, uh, and I'll tell you this. I fucking do not like Applebee's. They charged and you honestly, more. <laughs> well, no, exactly. So I would, and I'm not going to lie. I work there and I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't eat there. So just that's for what it's worth. But so this is what they do. I just hate right? Is that? <laughs> uh, well, hopefully you ate it a good one. And I have to say, they're not all like that. There are some that are better than others, you know, whatever. But the one I worked at, so this is their rule, right? So in the service industry, there's a thing called dead food, right? Mm-hmm. Which means say someone brung in an order and they accidentally, you know, accidentally hit the wrong thing. And like, oh shit, we got to send out this. That food is still made and sits there, right? So a lot of times when there's dead food, they're like, all right, servers, just have at it, split it up, whatever. Not at Applebee's. They throw that shit away because they charge the servers for food. If you get... Take food to go at Applebee's. If you get if you're a server and you get takeout food, then you have to pay full price. But if you're gonna eat it there, you have you pay half price. Mm. But you don't get any free food. And they're like, they're pretty like, it, dude. Honestly, it made me so mad because that's one thing. Like, I worked at a couple places. Like, the, one of the best places I worked is a place called the Pub of Penn Valley in Narberth. Fantastic establishment, mom and pop shop. Like, busy all the time. Great food, all this stuff. But they gave you a shift meal because they knew, like, take care of their people. They take yeah. care of you. Right. Like, if you, and otherwise, you're just going to be eating the whole time. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> but you would come in and, like, obviously, you're not getting lobster tail or anything like that. But, like, like I would come in and they had, like, a filet sandwich and I would get a filet sandwich. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like, that kind of shit, like, it does make a difference, a big time difference. Like, you know, you feed your employees. They're going to work better. I'm sure mm-hmm. you were like, oh, man, I can't wait to go to work tomorrow. I'll get the cheesesteak with the fries and yeah. the whiz. And it's going to be great. You know, like. <laughs> Dude, it made, for a 14-year-old kid, like getting them excited to go to work, you know, I mean, maybe they're excited about lunchtime, but, you know, but still, yeah. at least they're there. Yeah. Were you, you know what I'm were saying? Were you surrounded by adults at this yeah. job? So, yeah, so the job, I mean, it was a pretty mundane job, right? Packages would come in. I had my little utility knife. I would rip open the packages and sort out either syringes, uh, galls, or whatever they, they had coming in. Uh, but everyone I worked with was, was much older. And, and one mm-hmm. of the other benefits was just listening to older gentlemen tell stories. I mean, everything from <laughs> oh, man. what they did on a weekend to having, I mean, it was just oh, crazy. Yeah. So it was like the storytelling was what kept me, kept me happy. Um, oh, listening to older yeah. guys talk about, oh, I had last night, I went to Fairmont Park and I, having all kinds of it was just, it was just, it was, it was, that was <laughs> yo and then you were yo th- i remember being in a position like that and then like going back to my friends I'm like dude you don't know what a chocolate store is like you know what i mean yeah and like like coming up with all this new slang that yeah. you had no idea and your friends were like what what's a wanger <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. but like that guy because you'd hear it from like the older dudes especially then you're like oh my god yeah. like you're probably in there like and, and, they, and they were, so, so the age range was it wasn't even like so I was 14. 
some guys, one guy, he was like 21. Another guy was like 45. It, so it was a very <laughs> wide range. Yeah. It wasn't even like yeah. everyone was in the same group um, age range. But it was yeah. so, so the stories were always uh, entertaining, yeah. to say the least. It was like, yeah, one kid saying like what he did. And then the other guy's like, oh, when I was your age, <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. so that's good. cool. So like, but that's pretty cool, man. Like that's almost like a seeing how the sausage gets made kind of thing. Because you're in there. And you're like, oh, this, oh man, so this, this is where the syringes come in, and this is how it goes, yep. and they have to be separated, and and obviously, like you can't contaminate them or anything like that. So that's pretty cool. So, all right, so nice. So let's keep it moving. So, uh, so and oh, and fill a job got you that. That that was uh, we talked about that. I didn't look it up. I wonder if that was it wasn't John Street. It was the mayor before him. That right? was um. That, that was uh, Rendell, I believe. Um. Oh, okay. Oh, Ren- yeah. Ed Rendell. Okay. Yeah, Rendell. So yeah, he did like, and he had the fill a job program. Yep. Dude, mm-hmm. Hey man, I Ed Rendell always had good, uh, good rap. I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. So nice. So you left Einstein then, and then, uh, your sister's boyfriend got you a job at super fresh as a utility yes. clerk. Right. Yes. But, uh, when, so as a utility clerk, you were just like, you were just the gopher, right? You're like, go for this, Everything. go for that. You were doing your jack of all trades. You were, you were bagging groceries. You were hauling carts, you were yep. cleaning rooms, you were picking up messes. Like you were just the go-to guy. So honestly, and like, I, I, you know, I haven't yet knock on wood. I haven't until like my wife leaves me, I'll probably have to work at the, you know, the, the Acme or super fresh or whatever. Um, but I haven't yet, but still like to me, like when I go into the supermarket at first, like you think, oh, everyone, is, they, they're either stocking shelves or they're working cashier, but that's not the case. Like everyone, there's like a bunch of different departments. There's deli, there's bakery, yes. there's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like seafood and all this stuff. And like, pe- like people don't know that, but you're in there and you're just like bounce around from place to place to place. And the one thing that you're doing is that you're dealing with the shopping carts. Yep. So what like you and when we talked about this you did this and this just shows like the kind of caliber of worker and and person that you are like you would see someone you know putting their stuff in their trunk of their car and whatever and like a lot of times people just leave their carts everywhere you would go up and be like hey if you're done with that i'll take the cart off your hands i have been shopping for a long long time Never had a kid do that. <laughs> kid has ever done that for me. But that just shows like the kind of thing. How would you like being like, that's the one thing people always see is the shopping cart guy. How'd you like dealing with that? It was, I mean, it was good for the time being. So again, for me, it was, it was about, you know, making some money, being able to save and do what I need to do. Um, but I, it, it, it was, it had, it had its ups and downs. It was, it was a good job yeah. at the time. Um, but getting cars was, you know, getting cars was very simple grab a cart, bring it in. The only time it became difficult was when it was snowing heavily. Oh. Carts were all over the oh. place. Most people weren't oh, really wow. that bad. So like you said, if, if someone was was literally at the end of, of their unpacking, I normally would usually help them unpack if they were, especially if they were an older um, yeah. person, I would always help them, help them un- unload their groceries and just, and just take their, uh, their shopping cart. Um, and that was really, really simplistic. The only time it was an issue is when, again, it snowed or anything like that. But really, nice. the one thing I didn't like about the job was I didn't mind mopping. I didn't mind sweeping. You, someone spills something in an aisle. I go clean it up. The one thing I hated was cleaning out the bathrooms. Oh, that was the yeah. worst. And, and here's, the, here's the interesting part. <laughs> here's the interesting part. The worst bathrooms 
was actually the women's bathroom. It wasn't even like the oh, men's bathroom. It was the worst. Dude. I couldn't stand it. I've, so I've, I've, I've heard these rumors. I've had so many <laughs> toilets overflow. It was just oh. like, oh, my God. Like, I, I had one manager. <laughs> I was some, a toilet overflow. And they called me, hey, Don, we got it. You got to go to the women's bathroom. And it was so much coming out. And he was like, what is that, iced tea? I'm like, oh, my God. That's how much oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. He's got. He's probably got to be like, yeah, we gotta stop that sale on. Yeah, he's he's like, oh my god, that was the one thing I didn't like about. Him. Oh man, dude. I mean, that's. Oh yeah. god, I can't. Like, dude, you ain't lying though. Like women, hey, women might be clean and and and, and proper on you know outside, but that bathroom is the bathroom a hit. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it was the worst. It oh. Was the worst. I couldn't nice. agree more, my man. Oh, yo, yo, absolutely. And, and I'm still I, like, you know, go ahead, Matt. Go Shay. No, 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 go shake. Go, go, go. Uh, I did work at a, a grocery store myself okay, for nice. maybe a year. It was like a, a regional, it was a Redner's. I don't know. Oh, I mean, yeah, Redner's, Redner's are all Redner's over. Market. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like a cashier, and, and I, I actually liked it. It was really cool just because, you know, you weren't. There wasn't much expectations going on for me. They were like, yeah, just be there. Please don't try to like lose hundreds of dollars. <laughs> like, like <the> <laughs> um, and yeah, I would, I would go out and get the carts all the time. And, and Don, you're right. Like I would go up to people and say like, Hey, if you're done with that cart, I'll just take it for you. Um, because I would get so, I would get so resentful at people who just put them up on the curb. I'm a, you know, a very easy to frustrate kind of guy. Um, or if I saw people doing that, like they just did it and they're turning around to walk away, I'll, I'll go, yeah, I got this. I got this one for you, buddy. I'll get it. You know? <laughs> and that's the thing. Of course, it's like, if it's like an old person, go ahead. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you need the extra 30 seconds to enjoy your life. But if it's yeah. someone like our age or, you know, looks like they're well, you know, fit, then it's like, come on, man. Like, just put it back. Everybody knows the rules. It's like a society here. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and when I was... For some reason, I don't know how I heard this, and I have not researched it, but my dad always told me that shopping carts are really expensive. They're actually like very expensive. So like what? Yeah. So like when people steal them, whether you know it's like teenagers that will take a shopping cart and like take it down to like the creek and you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would always. My dad would always be like, you know, those things are really expensive. You know, the grocery store has to pay for those. And I never researched it. I, w- I wonder if it's even true. You know what? You know what? You know. You know what's funny is that uh, in my alley right now, I get there's like a, a shopping cart from Target, like on the corner of the alley, yeah. <laughs> and it's one of like it's one of like the baby seat ones. So I'm thinking, oh shit, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should fucking. Yeah, that one's yeah. got to be even double, double the price. Customized. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Dude, so okay, nice. So, all right, so you're done at Super Fresh and everything like that. Then you went and you got a job and you ended up being a supervisor, but you started unloading trucks at you were 18 and you started unloading trucks at UPS and then eventually they made you a super uh, a, a supervisor. But even dude, I'll tell you what, and I I went to interview for this type of job at the one where you worked. I won't say the 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 exact place. Um, but I went to interview and dude, th- I mean, we've talked about on the show, this is a tough job, Yeah. like unloading trucks. Like you're carrying, like you have to be what, what there were specifications you would have to have to even get the job. Like 
you have to be able to carry like a 120 pound yeah. package or something like that. Right. And yeah. you were timed how many, so what was the timing, right? Like you had to be timed to unload the so, truck. What yeah, was the so timing? They, so they wanted, so they wanted literally when I was there, when I first started, they wanted like 60 packages a minute. All right. So if you were just, and that, that was like, that was actually like, it was 1200. Was that 1200 now? Yeah. So 1200 now, but that was like a high end load unload. So most people would be at like seven or 800 packages Per, per hour, essentially. Yeah, if, I'm, oh. if, I'm, if my math is correct. 60, let me think here. So yeah, so within one hour, they wanted you to do, yeah, within, within one hour, um, a high-end loader could do a thousand, unload a thousand packages. Average loader could Jesus. be five or six. Yeah, and, and I used to literally just sit and count, like count, okay, you, you did 100 packages in 10 minutes, okay, so you're at 600 packages per, per hour. Yeah, it was. It oh, was so crazy. that became your job. That became your job is to like coach people and say, "Hey, you're you're got to pick it up." That no, so initially when I started, I was simply an unloader, and I think because I was yeah. I was a, I'm a fast worker, unloading packages like crazy. Mm-hmm. They promoted me and to become smart, a supervisor. Yeah, yeah. So I became a supervisor, yeah. um, and they would literally have like you see how those, those big uh, track trailers come in. Not and this is not unloading the the brown trucks, not these ones. I'm talking about unloading the semis, the 18 wheelers. Yeah. They were literally a little yeah. like 10 on the dock and they would just bring them yeah. back to back. You would unload one. Yeah. And it was crazy. How many bays? How many bays does like a so, facility yeah, so like each, that have? Each, well, they could have upwards of, I want to say maybe 30 or 40 bays because you, you would have Man. the load, you would have the load on two sides, the unload on two sides. So you would have the south end, the north end unloading dockets. dockets. That could have mm-hmm. been. Um, 10 or 20 on each side. And then you had the, the load docks. That's basically you, the packages get sorted out, they get placed on the trucks and then delivered out. Um, so it could have been 30 or 40 yard tops. And, and 30, 40 like, bays. That sounds like you in middle school, Shake, huh? How about it? Huh? <laughs> 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 I mean, Dude, so I've is... had people come in, people would come in, pass out, people would come in, <sighs> drop. The good thing about it, people would come in and drop 30, 40, 50 pounds working at UPS. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the I benefit, bet. I bet. Yeah. I mean, people would come in and drop a lot of weight, especially when it was in the summertime. Cause if it's 90 degrees outside, oh. it's 120 in the trucks, 110 in the trucks. Oh and they would tell God. you stay hydrated. You would come in and just sweat like crazy. It wasn't oh, yeah. a bad gig though. It wasn't a bad job. You must have been yoked working yeah. there. You were fucking boom, yeah. like you guys cocked these. Yeah, I was younger, I was yeah. slender, I was in, you know, obviously in really great shape at the time. Uh, it was good though. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't complain. The benefits were actually and, and yeah. kind of a and you, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, and when you were supervising, this is something that I always uh, like. Uh, I see, and when we talk to people, it does come up a lot. Where you were 18, 19 years old, but you had yeah. to supervise grown men, grown men yeah. at the time yeah. too. So like you <laughs> being like they must have been give yeah. like. They're, they must have given you such the stink eye and all that shit, like this little whipper snapper, yeah, you know, yeah, eating their yeah. dog bad there, boy, you know, like all that happy horse shit. You know what I mean? Like, come on, you yeah. know, that's just you know, that'd crazy be is, so tough. The, the funny part is, I didn't even realize that until you mentioned it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, man, wait a second, they weren't giving me a lot of resistance back then. Like, it was, I mean, I had one guy, he would just be disrespectful, like, well, yeah, she was speaking Spanish. She was, oh, but uh, you know, but it was basically, yeah, a, yeah, a, a yeah, yeah. He would cuss at me, but I didn't realize it until I got older. I'm like, 
until you said something. Hey, you know what? I was actually put out this respect. Yeah. Maybe you're lucky. I guess yeah, you're yeah. lucky that you didn't even know. I didn't even you know. realize it. I'm just. But there's that's also like the naivety of a kid. Right. You were 18, 19. Like you were just naive, you know. Exactly. And also, exactly. they the only reason they would say shit is because they were jealous mm-hmm. and probably because they weren't as smart as you. You and, know what I mean? Like you, I was in college at the time, so I'm coming in with a, with a book, a handbook of something, and I'm always reading something. And it was yeah. really, you know. Yeah. What are you a prick mm-hmm. or something like that? Yeah. That's you're you're <laughs> on, but so let's get into that. Oh, shake! Did you have something? You I just to I was going to ask what kind of equipment uh, is going on in that warehouse. Uh, I I actually worked for a forklift company for a couple of years, um, like building their website and stuff, and I, I had to learn all about warehouses and racking systems and mm-hmm. you know all all of like the inner like engineering of the racks and and bays and stuff. So. Did you guys have like obviously like pallet jacks would be like one thing that you would have, but were there forklifts flying around and, and stuff no? Like that? So I mean, not 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 in any large number, not a lot of forks. They they had a few, but really what you have is so you so here's what happens: you have the bays, so a mm-hmm. truck comes in, and on that truck might be say two thousand packages, so it gets unloaded by two people. <sighs> they each so let's say they each unloading at a thousand packages per hour. They go into a conveyor belt. The conveyor belt comes from inside the bay into the truck itself. When that conveyor belt takes it to what's called a sort out. The sort out is an aisle where you have another group of people who are who are literally sorting the packages based on zip codes. So mm-hmm. if I see a zip code 0281, that's Connecticut, that goes into the pink bin. If I see 7876, that's Dallas, Texas, that goes to the purple bin. So there's literally like six Jesus. or seven, there's literally six or seven um, color-coded bins. And wow. each of those bins, I mean, it was really like a like a work of art. You would back your shoulder, yeah. behind your neck, behind your back, whatever. And then it would take each of those boxes, wherever they're going, to a specific area of the loading docket. docket, docket. And then that's mm-hmm. where they would get resorted um, and really replaced on the trucks again. So the only trucks you really would have, you would have forklifts here and there, but they would have what you call the E-Rags. So these are the big, large packages that are over 80 pounds. So anything over, I think it was at the time, 80 pounds, that gets transported separately. That, that does not go into the conveyor belt. You had a group of guys that would come around these little, like little trucks and just pick up the big packages and then literally put them on the trucks and carry them over to the specific loading docket. Oh, okay. Man, yeah. yeah. That's it so, it's so interesting. It, yeah. it's, it's such, and it's one of those things where it's like people are at home. I do it too. Like I'm on Amazon or I'm on what, you know, whatever site. And it's like, yeah. The other day I just bought, um, like uh, the ocean where we are has like sometimes has rocks under it. So I bought okay. my wife like these like these are like you know shoes that you wear in the in the water. <laughs> okay, okay. And, they, they and yeah, you just yeah. buy it on Amazon and you're like okay, it'll be here in less than two days. That's amazing. Yes. Like same. But to yeah. pe- people who don't know, like it's just magic. Like we have no idea. Right. Right. And you know, right now there's a huge controversy going on for how companies like Amazon treat their employees. Yeah. You know, and there's people that are like have to piss in water bottles because they're the, you know, the speed of their, their picking and stuff has to be a certain amount or they get fired. Mm -hmm. And right now, like, I think it'll change in the next few years, but right now, you know, the working conditions and the the value of the workers at the all time low for these massive companies. And then the prices are all time low. So, so all all you people out there, you'll be in the next few years, your prices are going up. I'm, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> like Amazon, the you know, wealthiest company on the planet, you know, 
or in America yeah. or whatever it is, is not going to get away with this forever. So, but, but, and the answer yeah. to that is improve the technology, you know, make it, make it even faster somehow without forcing people to use the bathroom in a water bottle instead of going to the actual bathroom, mm -hmm. you know? So, sorry, I'm, I'm off on my, off on the deep end with that. <laughs> it's all right. Hey man, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, buddy. So, well, speaking of like over, uh, uh, outworking. So at this point, so Don, were you still working at UPS when you were uh, at Temple and like you had the telefund and the worked at the career center? Were yeah, you still at yeah. UPS at that time? So, so, so here's what happened. So, so what, yeah, what would your schedule be? Yeah, so, go ahead. Okay, so let me clarify. So UPS was maybe sophomore, junior year. So I, I was there, now I think I was at UPS about three years, three or four years. Um, and then, so literally what happened is I would literally wake up at about, six, seven in the morning. I could school at like seven or eight each morning, take my classes. S class was over maybe 12 and I would study for maybe three hours if I had time. Three o'clock would come. I would leave from down or Philly. So broaden, broaden uh, Cecil B. Moore, take the train yeah, all the way up simple. to my house. And at the time I lived in Mount Airy. So I would take the, either the C bus or the, the orange line of Broaden Alley. Broaden Alley, oh, I would take the God. six bus up to Ogontz, Shunham and Ogontz. Now, either I went home, changed right quickly, or I would have my clothes with me, go straight to work. And that was another 45 oh. minutes. Or in some cases, I made, I was able to get my mom's car on some, some occasions, take a car to work. But really, so I would get to work at like uh, UPS at like 5, 30, 6 o'clock, and be there till 10, get home after work, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, sleep up, sleep, do it again. And that was pretty much my schedule um, at Temple while I was at UPS for at least three or four, oh, maybe two or three years. God. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And you're so and while you're at temp or so you're at school, you're at UPS and then you're also working in the career center and you're doing the telefund. Yeah. So, so the, you're getting. Yeah. yeah go ahead. So, the, so so what I did was my last year I left UPS and that's when I worked at Temple Telefund and the career, the, okay. the, the career center at Temple. So I did those Jesus. in lieu of UPS, essentially. And then okay, even, even still, that was that was still because I had two jobs then. So I would, yeah. I would work at Temple Telephone uh, any evening. And that was good because I would you would just call Temple alumni and, and you know ask them to donate money. And there was a group of students we would all just sit around, talk, have a good time. And then during the day, I work at the career center. And that would just that would be anything from helping out the administrators in terms of sorting resumes or helping out students, etc. So it was always I was always busy in college. But that was yeah. that was a good experience though. Nice. And that helps you too. Like that just shows like, I see you work brother. You know I mean? Like you're, you don't, you ain't scared to work and, and dig in and, and get into it. And you just have the mindset of like, this is your goal and, and you're just going to work till you get it, you yeah. know, which is great. So then you go from the telefund. So you did UPS and then senior year, you're a telefund mm -hmm. and working at the career center. Then you're like at 22, you leave there. And then you start working at your first, uh, we'll call it a uh, bank. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you're working there and you start as a stockbroker right away at 22. So we won't say the names of uh, any of the banks. So just, you know, we'll just say that you're there. So you're starting stockbroker. So what when you're going in there, do you know, like what you're providing to the customer, what the customer is looking for and like what kind of service you're doing? So can you give us like an idea of what's going on? Yeah. So, I mean, so coming out of college, I got my first job as a, as a basically a licensed stockbroker, right? Which means I had the series seven and, you know, life and health and, and the series 66. Uh -huh. So I was able to provide investment advice. So really 
it was really just me going out, literally cold calling, networking, and trying to build a business from scratch. And that's really, really where it's a focus on getting clients to invest in either stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, or life insurance from scratch. So that was a wow. really challenging job because literally my first year as a, as a broker, how much did I, I, I made about 1,500 calls. Yeah, it was about 300 Whoa. calls a day. It's literally what I want to make, 300 calls a day, just literally Jeez. dialing for dollars. 300 calls a Dude, day. Dude, you're just banging yeah, it. Like you're banging it out, man. Yep, literally calls. So I would make 300 calls a day, 1,500 per week. And that was literally for like the first two and a half years was just trying to build a business. Um, and it really Whoa. was just either trying to get a client to either, again, buy a stock, a bond, mutual fund, ETF, uh, in exchange for a commission, obviously. Um, yeah, and that's and that was a good how, experience though. That was a good experience. How out of the three hundred in a day, what would you say the average like you would get someone that would actually like buy something? Yeah, so so literally, it would be three hundred calls a day. Out of those three hundred calls, you would try to get at least ninety contacts. That's a thirty percent connection rate. Out of those ninety, okay. right? You would literally have. Let me think here. Out of those 90, you might have 60 that would say, hey, listen, don't call me again. Not interested. Oh. Then you would have 30 left. That would be what you would call qualified. And qualified means you have $100,000 yeah. or more. So what I would do is I would say, hey, listen, my name is Don Lyons. Uh, I'm a broker over here at XYZ Firm. How are you today? I'm good. Okay, great. I'm just going to see if you're open to investment advice. If so, if you're open to any new ideas. Client would say, uh, yes, I'm open. Okay, great. Or if they would say no. Oh, you're not you're not open to new investments or new ideas. Which one is it? Oh, I'm not open to new to new ideas. Okay, so you are an investor then. Yes, I am an investor. Okay, listen, no problem. Listen, I want to see my business card. Um, if you're okay with that, I'm going to confirm your address is one two three four Main Street X Y Z Company. Yes, uh, Meet in Pennsylvania. Yes, one nine one zero four one nine zero six three. Yes, okay, great. I'm just out of curiosity. Would you say your account is above hundred thousand, over hundred thousand dollars, over hundred? Okay, great. So now you're qualified. Hundred thousand dollars. Send you my card. Follow up in a week, right? So you would get 10 out of that. Then you may get one person that literally might do business. So it was it was like a numbers game. The more people you got in front of, oh my you had the gosh. opportunity to business people. Yeah. Numbers. So game. if you got two like people in a day, you're like, <laughs> yeah. dude, this is I'm fucking yes. rolling it. Yes, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was, it so was and incredible. you're just like you're on the phone all day, just like yep. just like your your telephone <laughs> game must have been show so sharp. Like you must like even now. This is how many years ago, and you still had it, yes, dude. Yeah. So, <laughs> so a lot of it's just like, and and then what? You're just advising them, like, hey, well, they're saying this is looking like it's going to go up. You might want to invest this here, and yes. this might go up. Like, okay, and like so, but so initially, you're just trying to find out if they had a hundred thousand dollars or more in exactly. the bank to even. So you're calling like. You have no, like, obviously you have no access to anybody's bank accounts. You can't see what they have. So you have to call them and see like, oh, okay. So can you play the game? Oh, you have a hundred thousand more. You can play exactly. the game. So you would have 300 people. You would narrow it down to like 30 people that actually would qualify. Mm -hmm. Right. And then out of the 30, you got one or two that are going to play the game. And exactly. two is like the best day. Yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a number. <laughs> That's a it's tough a, it's a high contact Dude. Sport. How oh oh yeah big time and how many times did you just get banged on right away? I can't even count. It was that many. I, <laughs> oh, I, you, you, you get more no's than you get yeses. I mean, it was it was it was very common to yeah. hear 
no, they'll call me again. Put me in your do not call list. And this was so th- literally when I started uh, when I started out, this was right when the National Do Not Call Registry came out. So it made it even more challenging to call people out of the cold. So what I would mm. do is I would down to a computer software, then dial up because it would tell me this call, call this client or this person is on the do not call list. So it was crazy. Uh, it made it more challenging back then. And it was uh, was uh, just a quick question. Was caller ID out this time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're getting easier, screwed even more. Oh, my God. Because they're seeing they're seeing like, you know, X, Y, Z calling them. And they're like, oh, that, I don't want this. Yeah. Zoom, you know, mm-hmm. so, golly. Help me understand the the incentive here for you. Is this is this like so you you do all of this fishing. You're going out there. You're casting your line 300 times a day and you get one bite, is that person yours or are you feeding them into some kind of senior person that then provides the, or is it all you? Like if you get them to convert, then it's all your money. Like how how does that work? Great question. So in this particular case, it was all me because I wasn't working under a senior broker, right? So now Mm -hmm. had I worked Ah. under a senior broker, then he or she would have gotten a portion of whatever I brought in. But in this particular case, I was actually, it was all me. So it was it's simply okay. me doing the hunting and gathering. Yeah. Man. Nice. Jeez. Man, Ooh. that and, and I, I know some people that have done like some jobs and sort of in that same kind of thing. And and it seems it seems it's kind of you got it changes your mindset, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And 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 on top of it, like, man, you finally get a conversion. And like you must be so used to people saying no that like if someone's like yeah sure sounds good you might be like so it was a, yeah, it was thanks, a surprise thanks for talking and like you're about to hang it up like wait surprise. oh no you yeah, said yeah, yes yeah. <laughs> and it's great here's here's the other part during this time so remember in the movie wall street the first one where uh uh-huh. was it charlie martin Sheen, charlie sheen charlie sheen yeah he got upset because yeah, he yeah. said the guy decayed me right which means i don't know you remember that there was a scene where he basically a guy had they had to bust a tree mm-hmm. so yeah I actually had that happen to me in real life. So what happened is, um, I never forget this guy. His name was Kennedy. So I called him up and I say, Mr. Kennedy, this is Don Lines. I qualified him the same way I qualified every person. Remember what they have outside, right? So he said, listen, I'm I'm only interested in municipal bonds, which are tax-free bonds issued by uh, the local government. So Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. local townships, school districts, et cetera, all issue bonds to be able to finance their operations or, or new projects. Um, yeah. The benefit is that they're tax-free interest. So I called him one day. Hey, Mr. Kennedy, I've got some uh, Susquehanna bonds. They're paying 4% tax-free. Do you want them? He's like, how many you got? I check. I'm like, okay, I've got 35. He said, I'll take them all. 35 means 35,000. Okay. So I go out, open the account. He gives me a check, 35,000. I come back, place the order. In my mind, I get a commission, 2%, $700, right? So I'm like, Chris, it's a great day. The problem <laughs> yeah. was I quoted him the wrong name. They were actually Sesquanita, not Sesquahanna. He didn't like oh. the other portion. Oh. Is there, there's, a, there's a mechanism where if, if, if the bond has a coupon, which is the interest rate, stated rate of interest of, let's say, um, 4%. Um, but then if they decline in value, then what's called the yield to maturity, which means if you hold the bond, here's how much you can expect to earn, that can increase. So what happened was he didn't understand the comp- the difference be- differences between those two. And so he said, listen, this is not what you told me. I want my money back. So I said, you know what? Well, you got to speak to my manager. I tried to stall him because I wanted him to wait. 
So between the time that, that he wanted his money back and the time that they actually busted the trade, the account dropped in value, 1500 So what happened is, because I'm a broker, I had to eat half of that. So $1,500 oh. came out of my pocket. What, what the firm did was they took half, $750, and I took half, $750. Came out of my check. So, it, so oh, that, that's man. what happened back then. It was crazy. It was crazy. Crazy. And that's called being deep? Like, that's you can't, deep yep, Don't know. Yep. And that was back then. That was uh, This is going on 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. Dude. Crazy. And like, dude, uh, so, and, and let's do it. $750 now ain't nothing to sneeze at. Back then, yeah. it's a worth a lot more. Absolutely. Oh my God. God bless you. She's a yep. Pete. So, dude, but that's honestly, that's why I freaking love doing this because I had no idea any of that shit. And you just explained yep. it so well. And it was so fucking yep. cool. So, all right. So let's keep it going then. So you're still, so then that was when you were 22. So you're 24 now. You moved to another uh, we'll just say bank. Yep. And uh, so for you're there for like a year and a half and you do some, you can still do some stockbroking stuff like you still have your license, but you're more client service yes. based. So can you kind of explain like what you're providing to the customer and what they're yeah, looking yeah. for so, when you're more client service based? So now here I make a move to a different firm, right? So this is a private bank and their private bank. You had to have at least $25 million or more of, of assets to be able to even qualify. So you can't just be any regular person on the street. You have to have $25 million or more. So oh, there are people, shit. yeah, it was crazy. There are people that if I named them, you would know who they are. They were like CEOs of yeah, yeah, yeah. large companies, entertainers, et cetera. So you would see, I mean, you would see stuff like, let's, let's suppose you're Matt Lavelle, you're, you, you run UFC, right? I yeah. would know who your wife is, but I would see your account. You're sending money to like a famous model. Right, I would see stuff like that. So really, or you would see like a CEO uh, who's always traveling with his his uh his, his um his administrative assistant, like she's dropped there gorgeous. So what you would yeah. see is so yeah, I would never client, do that because my wife would kill me. <laughs> so, so what happens from a client service standpoint, it was really just banking, right? So very similar to how you have your checking accounts, savings accounts, etc. We they have a full team that's responsible for that. So for example, you would call in as a client you would have an overdraft in your account. I would see it already. So I would call you in the morning. Hey, Matt, um, your account's overdrawn by $20,000. Looks like a check came in. Um, how did you want to cover this? Okay, well, you've got $40 million in your brokerage account. We can just transfer over $20,000 to cover the overdraft. It was that type of thing. Um, or you would be traveling overseas. You would be going to, let's say, Europe tomorrow morning. And you need some euros. Okay, well, listen. Um, where are you located? I'm in, I'm in Greenwich, Greenwich, Connecticut. Okay, great. Here's what we can do. I can have uh, 10,000 euros delivered to your house tomorrow morning before you leave uh, for, for London. How's that work for you? Or, or um, a great British pounds, that type of thing, or international. Yeah. It was a lot of stuff like that. Or you would get like a lot of a high-end uh, check verification. So one of the things that you would get was a lot of folks would call in from Tiffany's um, Sotheby's auctioning house and they would confirm, hey, listen, we've got a client who's... Um, He's, he's bidding on a product right now. He just confirmed the bid for a million, 1.25 million. Can you confirm funds are available? Uh, what's the client's name? Uh, yep, he's good. That type of thing. So it was very high end type client service. It was good though. A very oh good my very God, good bro. Okay, <laughs> hold on. Let's let's talk. All right. So obviously no names are disclosed, but these are people that have so much money that they've created jobs by paying people to manage their money. Yeah, absolutely. So like they're just spending stuff and like going here and like, 
put it on the card. Oh, yeah. it's a hundred thousand dollars overdrawn, and then yeah. they don't care because, like, dude, they're seriously they have like the Amex black card. You yeah. know, like they don't yeah. give a shit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like literally, yeah. getting a credit. So you know how today you get a credit card, you got to fill in your information. Now it's it's a team, yeah. right? But there's a limitation. You you could be our client. Uh, he wants a credit card. Okay. Uh, two seconds. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let me just get his info. Let me just, okay. We know he's a public figure. We can just take his information from off the web. Shoot him a credit card, $100,000 credit card like that. Like it was literally like, it was $100,000 credit card was like just getting a $1,000 credit card for us. Like it was that, it was that easy. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. crazy. And so, and this came, you had to sign an NDA to, to do this, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And like, that's something like you, like, would you ever, like, you could have been prosecuted, right? Had you not, had you like let anything slip, like they're taking your ass to court right away and, and they're putting your, you're, you're in big trouble, right? If, if, it, if it became an issue, um, yeah. Would. But they, normally they would just fire you before you do anything like that. But yeah, no, it, it was, I mean, it was literally, it was crazy the amount of money you saw. I mean, it was, it, it, it was, it was to see a, a client with a hundred million dollars was like, okay. $100 million account. Let's bring up. I mean, it was common, very common. That's so wild. Commonplace. That's, That's so un <laughs> unreal <laughs> to me. I, I can't imagine <laughs> that, you know, like, God, dude, that is crazy. And like, I mean, it is, you know, it, it uh, man, it was like, how, so how would you get paid off of that? Are you just getting like a salary? Straight you salary and commission? Yep, no, straight salary and bonus. Because what, so what they do, and so at a certain level of wealth, when you have that kind of wealth, you get, you get a full team. So you get, a portfolio yeah. manager, a relationship person, mm -hmm. person who, who actually is the customer service person, etc. Um, so it was, yeah. it was a, a full-fledged team approach, essentially. But yeah, it was good, though. So, okay. So you were 24 while you're at this job doing more client service space, dealing with multi-millionaires. Yeah. And then uh, 26, you went to another company and you became a client advisor, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And so, go ahead. Investment go ahead. representative, client advisor, same thing. So here... Um, in this particular role, this was much more um, client advising. So bringing in clients, discussing their retirement, helping them assess whether or not they're on track for retirement. If not, here's what you should do. Either save money, save more money, reduce your expenses, or you can simply delay retirement. And that's really the focus there. Then from that standpoint, it was a matter of, okay, which products or services can we implement that will help you get towards retirement uh, the way you want to, whether it's readjusting the, the portfolio, how it's invested, whether it's recommending an annuity, uh, life insurance, or simply bring just, just consolidation of the overall portfolio. That's really the focus point, focal point of that, that job there. Um, just really overall client advising and helping that client get to a better place financially. So you're kind of like, so this is, you're kind, it's like almost like a, like a higher level stockbroker kind of position yeah. where it's like, yeah, you're so dealing with it, would you be doing like they call them whales, right? Like these are the people that move the the, the stock market, right? Like, are you dealing with the whales? No. Is that so, what this is? so so okay. when you look at the investment world, there's two. There's really there is two sides to the investment space. There is the institutional side, which deals with large corporations or large investment firms who have a lot of money um, that can literally move markets. Then there's the retail side. The retail side is the individual investor side. The retail investor, okay. as a collective, doesn't necessarily drive the markets the way the institutional clients will. So when we talk about just whales, that didn't really apply here unless you had a client that deposited, let's say, $10 million or anything like that, that will make a substantial dent. 
Um, here was more just retail, mass affluent type clients. Um, those clients that had maybe $100,000 or uh, up to maybe a, a million tops at, at this particular role or space where I was then. Um, but yeah. This was actually good. It was a good experience, very good time to work for um, and, and just good overall approach to, to, towards helping clients with regards to being able to either retire or just maintain success from a financial standpoint. Did you find yourself in like high pressure situations? Like, did you ever have days or weeks where you're thinking to yourself, uh, like I may have just, you know, evaporated this person's retirement savings. Like, I assume that's part of the job. Is that, is that correct? So yes and no. So here's what happens. So nowadays, most firms don't just recommend one or two individual stocks, right? Most firms will, will recommend an entire portfolio of investments, right? To really mm, yeah. protect the client, number one, but also to protect yourself as a firm. So if you came to me, I wouldn't say, hey, hey, buy a Tesla. No, it's going to be buy, here's what you buy. You buy these 20 or 30 different investments so that you're well diversified, well maintained and positioned for the long term, right? Then uh -huh. we just manage it going forward. So never was there a time where I was up or, or concerned about, Oh, losing okay. the client's money because it was really a well diversified portfolio. Now, what, what I was concerned about is if the market declines substantially and that client calls you in a panic, then the question becomes, are you going to pull your money out? Are you going to stick with me for the long term? That's where it becomes an issue. Um, that's where the that's where the stress bait comes in from a, from a financial standpoint. Wow. From my standpoint, really, is he going to worry and start pulling his money out? Because when the market tanks, clients do panic, they will call you. They will say, listen, get me out. I can't take it anymore. And that's what you yeah. don't want. Um, but never, that's not an issue of, of losing a client's money entirely. So, so like part of your job. So first off, two questions. One, was this salary and bonus based Salary again? and bonus, yes. Yes. Okay. And then two, so part of your job then was you're like talking people off a ledge when there's a drop. Yes. Right? Like you're like, you're like, look, I've seen this before. It's going to rebound. And when it rebounds, <laughs> you're going to go up five points. So you want to stay here. Exactly. Like that, you're telling people that shit exactly. with millions of dollars. Exactly. Yep. That's, whew, yep, exactly. I can't even imagine yep. that, dude. So, and then what was it like, like uh, when you had to tell, like, did you have to tell clients that you lost money too? Right? Like, what is that like when like, like, because there has been times where it's like, oh, hey, look, no one saw this coming. No one saw frozen orange juice just tanking. Yeah. So right? think, like, what, like, yeah. So, so when you look back to 2007, 2008, which was the crisis, the financial crisis, I mean, there's yeah. really nothing that was one of those situations where clients were just, I mean, you had major firms going under Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, oh. AIG was in trouble. So, really, that was one of those points in history where the client was, the client's mind was already made up. Right. So I'm going to call you. Hey, listen, I can't take it. Get, get me out of here. And you can say, listen, yeah. I stick with it. Um, you know, although we haven't experienced this one. Right. The markets always come back. Stick with it for the long term. But clients make their mind up and they'll sell out of the markets. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, but certainly you yeah. want to encourage them to stick with it over, over, over the long term. Yeah, that was that it's was still like if their if their minds made up, there's nothing. Yes. But like, I mean, like and the good thing is, though, it's like you're getting paid either way. So, yes, you know, yes. like you're you're not right. Your shit isn't riding on the commission of it. So like exactly. you're just like, look, I'm giving you good advice. And like, was there times where people are like, damn, Don, we should have listened to you, dude. Jesus Absolutely. Christ. Absolutely. Like, so so, yeah. when I switched, so so what happened is when I left this firm, we're referring to now and I went to my next firm. Um, this is what I said earlier. It's, it's more of a like we're we're kind of slinging. Right. Remember I said that? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. This one, the, the next one I worked for was was similar, but it was heavy transaction, where my previous one was very much relationship driven. Let's talk about your retirement. Let's talk about your plans, your goals, etc. This was similar, but it was way more transactional focused. So it would be, listen, um, if you send me $100,000, I will send you a pair of golf clubs, right? Or if you- Okay, so this is slinging, right? Yeah, so this yeah, is yeah. slinging. So, yeah. okay, so hold on, let's timeline it real quick. So you were, so you're at the previous job where you're like the high level client advisor, millions of dollars, all these things like we talked about. Then you leave that, you go to another job, you're still a client advisor, but now you're doing something that you would call slinging. So it's almost like you're giving them incentive, like, hey, throw a hundred thousand dollars in there and you get a nice set of, yeah, okay. Yeah. So what was, so what was, so same thing, was that still salary, salary yes, bonus? Yeah. And then, yes. Okay. And, and then, so also, for, for this, what was the, the value of you telling them, hey, look, like you wanted them to put money in this. Why were why were you trying so hard to get them to put money in this that you were giving stuff away and things like that? So that was the way the firm was set up. The firm, their, their focus was to bring in self-directed traders who would trade their accounts, right? So to get you to okay. bring money in, we want to incentivize you with either a set of golf clubs or free trades, right? To get you to trade more. And then what happens is over time is obviously... Uh, you, we would send you some golf clubs or whatever we sent you that time. And then at some point, you become a profitable client through trading activity. Right? And that's really Ooh. the focus. It's really just to get you to bring assets in. But, but the reason I say it was heavy transactional is because a lot of it was simply based on, can you bring in new money? Mr. Client, if you bring in, again, $100,000, I'll give you 25 free trades. And it got to a point where clients would call you, hey, listen, I've got some extra money out. What deals do you have going on? Right. So it was, oh. a lot of, it was a lot of wheeling and dealing. <laughs> okay. I can yeah. set you up with 25 free trades. I, got, I, I can set you up with 10. Um, and here's where at this particular firm, you would see what would happen with clients' accounts because you would tell people, hey, listen, you really should be more diversified with your portfolio. You should have a good mix of stocks, bonds, et cetera. And then you have clients that will say, listen, I'm going to do what I want. Um, I had one client who took his daughter's money, put it into a stock. It was like $50,000. He calls me literally, few weeks later, it's down to 25 because he bought it all in one stop. Um, I had another client, same thing. I said, listen, maybe you should take a portion of your money, be aggressive with it. The other portion should be well-diversified, well-maintained. He didn't listen. Again, same thing. Weeks weeks later, he calls me back. Uh, yeah, can we sit down and talk again? That he, wants, that he doesn't want to trade anymore. So it was a very, very good experience from that standpoint to see wow. how people were so you're So you're, and you're always advising on the side side of caution it seems yes. like then yes like yeah which yeah. is dude smart play yeah. right like obviously yeah you know yeah because you know i mean for example i actually had a um someone i know call me uh, about a stock they wanted to buy so i helped them buy it like on their own account and they called me a few weeks later hey i want to get out like and that's not the kind of, that's not the type of activity you want you don't want clients calling you to get out of a single stock mm -hmm. you want to diversify mm -hmm. yeah. and most yeah. most firms will will push you towards a well-balanced, well-diversified portfolio. Nice. Dude. Awesome. Okay, cool. So you're kind of, for this position, you're really just like, let's get them in the door. Once we get them in the door, yes. we got them. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. Nice. Is that where okay. you are now? Is, is no. this the position? No. Oh, okay. So I left that job, went, went one more spot, which was comprehensive, high-level financial planning, wealth management, looking at the client's income, their expenses, how much they're saving. Yeah. So it's really a comprehensive yeah. approach to it to wealth management. That's that was the last job I had, which is very similar to what I do now. So it's more of a comprehensive approach to the overall 
client's financial well-being, right? Not just looking at the investments, but looking at their income, uh-huh. their expenses. What are your goals long-term? Do you have a will in place? Let's talk about your estate planning documents, right? How does that reflect your current aspirations and wishes? It's really the, the entire spectrum of a client situation. What kind of income uh, are the like the type of clients you're dealing with now? Like, are they still the millionaires or? So no, every client I deal with now is at least a million, million or more of investable assets, meaning you have to have at least $1 million to invest to be able to qualify for the services that uh, we, we offer you. Um, oh, so it has man. to be like attainable. Like if you have it in a house or something, that doesn't, that doesn't really count. help. No, that's, that's part of yeah. your net worth, but it's not part of what we would consider you to be a, a client to work with us. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And that, and, yeah, well, more. that eliminates me and Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, was, I was eliminated back when he was doing the, you know, when he was, when he was at, when he was at super fresh, I was eliminated. Yeah, Are you kidding yeah. me? So, and, 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 okay. And I so, the, so I don't really tell people that often um, because that people, people, so, so the first time when I was actually at my previous firm, I was working with clients with half a million or more. And I told a neighbor that. And he was like, you do what? How, what about me? I'm like, oh, so I don't even, I don't really don't even broadcast it until, until you actually, <laughs> yeah. at, you yeah. have to ask me. I generally don't, mm-hmm. don't even broadcast. But like you were just saying, right? You don't like telling people about like, dude, you're dealing with some big fish and all yes. that stuff. Isn't that very similar to you don't like telling people that you box either? Yeah. Right. Like so, you know, I, because you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what's interesting now? So, when I tell people about box now, and I, they say, oh, you do, yes, they, they, automatically they go to, you do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you, you box, oh, you're a cage fighter. Like, you, no. you're a cage fighter, you do UFC. Like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't do UFC, but I, I do practicing combat sports. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I don't like telling people that shit. Like, it is good. Like, so it's blessing in the curse where some people are generally interested in, and they're like, Oh, that's really cool. Like a unique niche because only one of the 1% of the population will ever do it. Right. So like them, like, you know, like there are some people, but then you have the flip side where it's for, you're dealing with Johnny tough guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who's right. like, right. you know, they're right. like, Oh, you're doing it. So I have to feel like same thing where it's like, you get, you know, you know, uh, Joe, Joe Schmo boat shoes where he's like, are you doing millionaires? Huh? Yeah. I bet. Hey, see that? That's a Mercury Cougar right there. All right. You know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like you got to deal with those kind of bastards too, Mm -hmm. where it's the same kind of thing. So, okay, nice. So, uh, one thing I did want to ask, and we talked about notes, what's the deal with the AI professor? So what was that about? So whenever you do a plan for a client, you always take them through a simulation, right? Of, randomizations, right? Using Monte Carlo probabilities. So my previous firm, you would have some very intelligent clients who are very intelligent, sophisticated in their own respective rights. So they were doctors, educators, etc. Yeah. And so I literally yeah. had a client who was a M- MIT PhD in, in artificial intelligence. And he taught oh, it at the top university in Pennsylvania, right? So that just gives you an idea of what's going University of Penn, right? Man. So it was yeah. almost like, yeah. oh, Jesus, what is he going to come in here and say? So I ran the program for him, and he was literally like, oh, my God. Okay, so, I mean, he, he, he could tell me what the program is better than I can tell myself what the program is. So it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah, interesting. Yeah. But he wasn't like a jerk. He was actually a very nice nice client, nice client to have. Yeah. Nice. So you would get that. And he just kind of picked it up, right? Yes, immediately. He just, yes. Just like he yes. gets it when you're like you need once you explained it to him and like to be fair like I'm kind of, I, I'm not gonna say I have a, a complete understanding but you you explain it very well that I think me and Shake Kona kind of can grasp the general idea yes. of it mm-hmm. so 
Nice. So that's pretty good. So then, okay. So then one, so let's move on to, do you want to discuss like your current position? Is that okay? Like we won't say where it's at. Well, I currently have, um, which are basically dealing with, with high net worth clients. Um, and again, very, very similar to my previous role, role where it's more of a comprehensive approach to understanding that client's goals, needs, and objectives. So again, it's, it's really about the totality of that client's financial well-being, their income, expenses, how much they're spending, how much they're saving. Are they on track to retire? Right. Let's talk about once you do retire, what happens after retirement, i.e. when retirement ends, which is when you pass away. Do you have a yeah. will in place? What is your estate plan? How have you are, are you going to look out for your children? Let's talk about ways to do that. That's sort of, so it's really a comprehensive approach to that client situation. Looking at everything. Yeah. So do, do people come to you with like, look, I want to be retired by 2027. And this is what I want when I retire. You need to help me set that up. Like, do they come to you with stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Clients will say, listen, I want to retire in five years. Um, I want to make sure I'm on track. Tell me what I need to do. Or am I on track? And I can run, run yeah. an analysis for them. You know, it's comprehensive. And I look at everything they're doing from an income expense standpoint, savings, what they currently have invested, how they're invested. And I can say, hey, listen, five years from now is doable or five years are not, five years from now is not doable. Here's how we get you there. You either, again, reduce expenses, save more, you push it out retirement, or you cut some things. Or you, re wow. or you reallocate how your portfolio is invested. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Do you, so you're kind of just like move it. Like you're saying like, look, you're in here now. Really think if you want to be done, if you want to be retired in five years, move here, here, and here, because these are moving faster and the trajectory is higher. Exactly. Okay. I see. Wow. That's fascinating. So and then involves like, more risk, I would assume, right? Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Saying, it depends. Hey, yeah, you, so you, it depends. Yeah. So some clients are in a position. So just keep in mind though. So it's one thing, and this is the biggest thing. It's one thing, one thing to make it to retirement, right? Which for some people is going to be age 65, 67. But more importantly, is, is really being able to make it throughout retirement, right? So retirement typically could last another 25, 30 years or more. Right. So mm -hmm. if you're planning for retirement, it's not just getting there, it's, it's being able to stay there. And you want your assets to long oh. last really 20, 30 years or more. So you're time. you're not you're not looking for the flash in the pan. You're looking for exactly. the shit that's gonna be exactly. there 30 years. Exactly. Yeah. I see. I have, have a, you ever go ahead, Jake. I, I have an in-law, not not certainly not my family, but I have an in-law <laughs> that did very well um in Silicon Valley, like when it first hit, like mm -hmm. back in the 80s, like the nice. one of those like original companies. And she was able to retire sometime around like 45 at the age of 45 because wow. she was well off and she just traveled and wow. we, she, you know, she's still kicking and we hang out with her sometimes and she just has these like bonds. I think they're bonds. Yes. And she just kind of just lives off them because they still earn all of these year later, years later, they're super safe though. Like she's, you know, and she does, yeah. she works in the stock market and, and, and she loses money sometimes or whatever, but she always feels comfortable because she has these bonds that are just coming home to roost. And she's got like play money then. Yeah. 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 yeah she, she does. does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess that's a question I have is, do you deal with a big like uh, contrast in generational wealth, people that are just coming from crazy money for generations and people who Ooh. earn it all of a sudden, like, Hey, you know, my family was broke and in my forties I invented this thing and now I'm super wealthy yeah, do I, I I don't know what what's step one. Do you deal with that? Like people that come to you like that? Yeah. So so the reality is, um, so even when you have folks who come from generational wealth versus those who don't, um, 
there, there may be some differences in terms of what how, how I approach it, but it's virtually going to be the same thing, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you're like, for example, I, I may have a client right now who's 65. At 65 years of age, they already have $3 million. They just inherited another million and a half from their mo- mother or father. It's really more of the same, right? So it's mm-hmm. really, okay, let's, let's repackage these assets to reposition them. Um, and reallocate accordingly and, and make sure we address these issues here. With a person who, who's, say, newfound wealth, um, it's, it's going to be very similar in terms of how you, you position it. They just may, may have a different view of how they want it to grow for themselves. Does that make sense to you? So typically, yeah. if you have a person yeah. who comes in new wealth, they're probably going to be a little younger, uh, perhaps 30s, yeah. 40s, et cetera. Um, but it's more really about addressing them where they are in their stage of life. So if you're in your 30s or 40s, more than likely you have a kid. Um, that has to be has to go through college, so it's about saving for college plus retirement, as opposed to someone who's sixty five. It's not about college anymore; it's about just making sure they can ramp up for retirement, right? So it's mm. really just about understanding where they are in their stage of life, and then tacking on the fact that he or she may have multiple millions of dollars. So, can I ask a quick question? Do you sure. ever have to deal with someone like say, say you have someone who's doing great and their client, you've had them for a while, and everything's going swell and all that stuff? And then they suddenly die out of nowhere. Do you have to deal with that? And like the moving, like, look, this is where their assets were. This is how much they're worth. And this is what they wanted in their will. And you kind of like, this is the amount that you can put in the will kind of thing. Do you ever have to deal with that? Yeah. So that's really where estate planning comes in. Um, So literally it's about, so we look at estate planning as being critical because you've accumulated this wealth. So you want to make sure that when you die, that it, it, it passes on. To the people you want to pass on to. Now, here's the, here's the interesting part. You would be surprised at the number of people who have four or five million dollars who don't have a will in place. Um, so it, it happens very often. Oh, yeah. It, so it's not, it's not people think having a will. Jeez. Oh, it, it happens very commonly. Believe it or not, very common. I speak to no shit. Yeah, it's it's a very common thing. A uh, thing. And so if you and don't is have your will, advice to tell them, like, fucking get, get the will. will yeah. dude. And I, and I like, tell people, listen, you need to get a will. I don't say it like this, but it's always good to get it before it's too late. Because right. Because folks will say, well, I'm, I'm very busy. I understand that, Mr. And Mrs. Klein. But what happens when too busy becomes too late? Right. You want to be sure you have that all t- tightened up. <laughs> no. What and, a saying. And, and it can become an issue if if you die and you have assets. Not only uh, what you see a lot of, unfortunately, is people uh, will pass away um, and they have assets all over the place, right? So you've got accounts at uh, Fidelity, Vanguard, E-Trade, and your spouse doesn't yeah. know about everything or she, he or she can't get access to it right away. So that can become a challenge. Um, oh, and I've, I've, oh, seen, I've seen a lot of stuff happen where- Where does business. that money go? Does it, it like, you, what yeah, happens? Yeah, great so, question. So what happens is you, that-, that How person, does the government get the money? Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you die in, in, without a will, that's what's called intestate. And what happens is the state's intestacy laws will take effect. In other words, they look at, they will determine who gets what. And what they look at is who's next of kin. So they'll say, okay, is he or she, uh, do they have a parent? No, no parents alive. Are they married? No parents, no, no marriage. Who are the children? And that's, and then it follows, it basically follows the lines of lineal descent. And that's really, wow. really that's really, if you look at Prince, he died. Notice no living parents. No children, which is why, if you recall, children were people were coming out saying, "Hey, I'm his child," and they obviously uh-huh. and then you notice that the siblings came out now. <laughs> so the siblings obviously have some say. So, so if you don't have it in place, wow. it can become a challenge. Man, get a will, people. Oh, yeah. Get a will. Yeah. yeah. 
Where there's a will, there's, there's a, a way. goddamn way. <laughs> yeah, what, exactly. What was it? What was this saying that you tell people? What is it? So, so people are I'm very busy. So I say, you know, what happens when too busy becomes too late? Dude. Yeah. Damn. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Matt, you okay. got a will? Am I allowed to ask this? Matt, you, if you don't want to say my, it. My wife set it up when she plans on murdering me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever There's makes that. it easier for her. Right. Yeah. yeah. She, um, she's a, she does all that shit. So real quick. So Don, this has been, dude, honestly, this has been fucking fascinating. This is the shit shake. I think you agree. Totally. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I have one question sure. and I've been really kind of excited about this because I have no idea what it is, but I fuck it. You hear about it all the time. Can you, what is Bitcoin? Can you kind <laughs> I of to ask that. <laughs> so, so, so when you think what's, of, what's the deal? So, so when you think of digital money, right. Or think of just physical currency, dollars, okay. coins, etc. In a very simplistic manner, Bitcoin is a digital currency essentially. Right. So the way it works is basically you have technology that creates literally just creates what are called tokens. And from those tokens, you have what are called bitcoins. I'm trying to be very simplistic here. And Bitcoin is basically digital money. And that's really all it is, is is, is digital money that is created electronically through electronically through computer systems, essentially. Um, Now, it's, it's basically just think of it as a digital currency. And that's really what it is. And, and Bitcoin is one of many cryptocurrencies. And the way they all work is that there's a bunch of them. But Bitcoin is the most popular one. Again, just think of it as simply a digital currency. That's all it is. Mm. A very simplistic form. Uh, yeah. So, it's decentralized, right? Exactly. Like it's not, it's exactly. not, you know, the, the federal government doesn't, uh, doesn't exactly. have any claim to it. Yep. They don't, they uh, can't control so, it. So, right. thus, so there's you can move system. it around. Right, exactly. And, yeah. So it's a little bit would, more free flowing. Another question then: Have you in, have you invested? Or I mean, if you're not comfortable, no, 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 no. So, so as far as I've, so the only only thing I've done is I've 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 personally invested in what's known as the, the Bitcoin Trust, the GBTC, which is a basically a, a publicly traded investment that tracks the movements of Bitcoin, essentially. Um, and that's what I've done. So you're kind of like hedging your bets. Like, yeah. look, I might, you're, you're kind of like, so say if it's roulette, you're not betting the numbers, but you're bet, betting black or red. And if right. black or red hits, right. you're cleaning up. And the thing is, it's, it's very popular, but Bitcoin is a very volatile investment. <clears throat> and so from the investment uh, community, um, professional investors, we look at it as basically an alternative asset class, right? So not necessarily loading up on it, uh, betting your entire fortune or nest egg, mm-hmm. but maybe allocating five, 10, 20% of your portfolio towards a Bitcoin or cryptocurrency like investment to provide diversification um, and risk reduction. But it's, it's not, it's not, um, it's not, I mean, we don't, it's not something that people should be in, in our opinions, loading up on it like crazy um, because of, uh, because of the volatility. Yeah. And now the thing is, so it's, oh, it's not as widely as accepted as people may think it is, right. It's still not widely used in terms of being able to purchase goods and services. You are seeing, firms adopted as a medium of exchange but it's still not a widely accepted form of currency yeah. do you think it ever will be that's hard to say i mean at this point you are seeing more people adopt it so it could be but i'm not my my, my concern is not my concern but one of the things i look at is how those central banks manage this because they're already talking about coming up with their own digital currencies um they call them central yeah. bank deposit central bank digital currencies so it really becomes an issue of, of how does the federal governments globally, um, how do they adopt this? And, and you've seen India 
has actually banned Bitcoin essentially. So it, the question becomes over what time frame uh, will this play out? So, uh, so essentially, but in my mind, then it sounds to me like Bitcoin is almost like, like a Dave and Buster's Chuck E. Cheese kind of tickets coins thing right now, where it's like this, it's someone coming up with this, but like, what is backing it? Like, does anyone know? Like, just, yeah. So, so at this point, really, it's, it's, it's nothing is really backing it except for the, 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 the full faith in the people backing it, essentially. It, it has value because we say it has value. I mean, it's just, it really oh is just that simple. Oh, my God. I mean, it's almost like the, the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar, for example, not U.S., but, but gold itself, right? Why does gold yeah. have value? It has value because we say it has value. We do oh. it as being value, right? Otherwise, I, it would, I mean, it could be, well, copper could be the gold if we wanted to make copper the, that, yeah. that type of investment or yeah. we want to see yeah. gold, uh, copper the same way. So essentially then they're trying to make it so Bitcoin then replaces gold as like the backup or you're trying to Bitcoin replaces the dollar. I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't necessarily say replaces the dollar, but it certainly could become a medium of exchange. Um, from, so from an investment standpoint, I was so I would say from an investment standpoint, um, cryptocurrencies could be what, what they now call digital gold. Is what is what's called okay. digital gold. So very similar how, how gold functions as a hedge against inflation and a store of value because it holds its purchasing power. Digital uh, or cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin in particular, could be seen as the same way as a hedge against wow. inflation. But again, it's very volatile. Jesus. Yeah. Damn, dude. That's dude. This is not because like honestly, like I listen to other people talk about it. You know, like they're the fucking crypto kids out there yeah. t- fucking talking about this shit. <laughs> and honestly, like to me, I don't know. Like you know, I'm skeptical to begin with, right? Yes. Like to me, this just seems like like it. It just like it, that would mean for this really to work, it would mean everybody like it have to be the U.S. at first, but then globally would have to accept. That's the point. Bitcoin. That's the point. Exactly. That's the point. I don't see. I don't <laughs> see it happening. I unless like. Because then it becomes what the United Nations fucking is in charge right. of it. Like right. what? Like I don't know, man. And that, and I don't see. I don't think it's worth sixty thousand dollars. Right, and that's the thing. So right now, the total crypto, at least Bitcoin, is worth a trillion dollars collectively. So it has exploded in value. Um, so we you can't discount yeah. the fact that it has a trillion dollars of market value. Um, I think the question True. long term becomes, does it become a widely accepted medium of exchange? Because for as popular as it may sound and seem. It's still not widely accepted. Like you can't go to a Walmart, um, you can't go to a Target, you can't go to a, you can't yeah. go to a Starbucks. You can't pay your kids' college exactly. with it. But then, then, then some, but some firms are using it. Tesla is going to accept it as, um, as payment um, for goods and services. Yes, um, and then you have uh, oh some shit. of the some of the really major, <laughs> yeah, so some of the major um, um, transaction providers like PayPal, <laughs> Cash App. They they are allowing you to buy it through their their uh, software. So I mean, it, it is oh. here, and it's not going anywhere. I just think in terms of what so iteration. Major, be. major things are trying to push it. Then yeah, definitely, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Initially, it was seen as kind of like a novice, little, uh, you know, nebulous idea, but now it's it's obviously gaining some full steam. And you are seeing a lot, a lot of large investment firms start to uh, give it credence and invest the rest of resources in cryptocurrencies. Jesus. Yes. So, okay. Mm. So, dude, I, all right. So, we went over time, but Shake, I know we're usually in agreement with this, but Don, dude, we would love to have you back Absolutely. on. It's yeah. just so Anytime. fucking awesome. Anytime, man. This yeah. is the kind of shit that we talk about where it's like, this is, we just, well, this, this conversation, me and Shake, we're just able to expand our horizon so much. Yeah, right? no, like, we're ready. Get, we're ready, dude, man. 
Like, well, I mean, like, this just gives you so much to think about. And honestly, I can't wait to listen to this back just so I can, like, think, like, just get more in my head about Because it. it is true, like, you know, my wife comes to me, like, she's talking about, like, hey, mate, you know, and, like, not even my wife, my mom. Like, yeah. all these people coming, like, you got to invest, you got to invest, you got to invest, like, all this stuff. Like, let's try and find stocks. Like, you got to mm-hmm. think of your kids, like, all this shit. So, like, it does, dude, it does play on your mind, you know. But, damn, this stuff, it is fascinating. Uh do you do like private clients or anything like that? Do you want to shout out like a socials or anything you like, or you yeah, just you, only you, at yeah, your you job? Me, yeah. You can find me on a uh, money talk uh, with Don Lyons. That's, that's where you can find me. money talk with Don Lyons. Nice. Money talks with Don Lyons, dude. Mm. Hey man, you heard him. If for all, all the dozens and dozens of working <laughs> perspectives podcast listeners, you heard it tonight. My, my dude knows what he's talking about for sure. So money talks with Don Lyons, check it out for sure. Uh, and also, you know, on your on your socials, Jenny, you, th- you throw up any boxing videos up there? I do, I do. So that's <laughs> that, yeah, I, I do post the boxing videos every now and then. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So check it out there. Maybe you, you, the maybe you and Matt will get in the uh, we'll get in a little spar session and we can see it on video. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't tell you the last time I sparred, man. I can't, I can't do it. I'm too old for that shit. Anymore. Oh, okay. But. Sounds like a good narrative. <laughs> no, I'll still throw down, but I just don't. You know, I don't feel like it. But <laughs> no, uh, but either way, Don, dude, this has been so great, man. Uh, anything we can promote for you on here, dude, happily do it. Besides Money Talks with Don Lyons, check that out. You got anything else you want no, to promote? No, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Dude, this has awesome. been, yeah. this has been yeah, just come so good. Great. Dude, yeah, this was so awesome. Uh, Shake, anything you want to say to the people? No, no. Just get your wills, people. Get a Get a will. You know, write it down, put it in an envelope, put it in your uh, put it in your drawer. So, all right. So let's go. So, all right. So, uh, uh, Don, thanks so much for coming on, man. This was just this was just awesome, bro. Just another another flavor of ice cream that you get at the Working Perspectives podcast. Shake, uh, you're good to go. I'm good, man. I'm good. This was this was excellent. All right. So uh, this was another episode of the Working Perspectives podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied. By my my friend, and I'm gonna miss you, buddy. My friend Tom Byers. Uh, our guest today was Don Lines. You can find him at Money Talks with Don Lines to get some info. Uh, you can find all our episodes on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. If you want to listen to us on Spotify, we're available at the Working Perspectives Podcast. You want to follow us on Instagram, you can join us at Working Perspectives Podcast. And if you want to hit us up on the Twitter, we're available at Working P Pod. You'd like to be a guest on the show and go through the approval process with the P Triple A. You're not guaranteed to get in, but we'll put you through the approval process. You can email us at workingperspectives at gmail.com and we'll uh, see if we can get you in. But other than that, uh, this is the end of the show. Thanks a lot to Don Lyons. This was awesome. And, uh, you know, this is the end. Stick around for the ad read. All right. See you. Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, 
please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skotbell.com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, E is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry.com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go.